is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnuminium Company. Served by Chicken Cock Whiskey and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells all the way. Touchdown, Gamecocks. Pressure. Curly just dives in. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live always from the Signorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of the Gamecocks, Signorama.com, West Columbia, South Carolina, owned and operated by a Gamecock, of course, Matt Vaughn, our friend here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Of course, we are also served by the chicken cock whiskey that is keeping me alive this holiday season insane although my in-laws have just departed thank god for chicken cock that's all i'll say the chicken cock challenge is on the chief sports app and you can find it near you by clicking that button as well and built by the barn doco the barndominiumco.com to build your dream home in the carolinas in georgia or in tennessee jc is here for a little while he's got some things to do today mike morgan will be joining us at noon phil and i of course will be here until two o'clock and we'll be joined in about an hour by the golden tones of the great mike morgan from espn the sec network and pretty much everything else in between uh mike uh, was uh, on the call for i know he had a basketball game in the last few days and then he was on the nfl Sunday. Who did he have, JC? Titans and somebody. It was in, I know he's in Nashville because we talked yeah. about Nashville for like right. 20 minutes on JC and Morgan because, you know, I used to live there and we just talked about how it's growing and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah. yeah, so he was in Nashville. He went to see a Predators game. So, mm-hmm. um, and he backed up what I've heard about professional hockey. It's like not a sport that if you're watching it on TV, you necessarily get into unless you grew up around it. But once you see it live, he said it's a different – and everybody in Chicago tells me the same thing. So, I got to get to a Blackhawks game. They call them the Hawks up here, right? Yeah. So, I grew up an Atlanta Hawks fan, NBA-wise. So, it's confusing. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Hawks are playing today. I'm like, Dominique Wilkins, the human highlight film. Yeah, that's the first thing that comes to mind. But uh, uh, So, I got to get to a hockey game. But Mike will talk about that, I'm sure, uh, later on the show. We'll get to some Christmas stuff today, too, uh, because we are just a few days away from the holiday, and uh, we will be wrapping up our version, our Inside the Gamecocks programming for 2023 uh, on Thursday. We'll be off until January the 3rd, 
And uh, so we'll mix in some holiday cheer. Tomorrow, of course, is National Signing Day. Hale McGranahan, we're going to pop him in here uh, and, and get into some of that. Of course, we got plenty on the transfer portal uh, tonight at 7 o'clock. Basketball hopes Winthrop. Hard to believe the Eagles and the Gamecocks have not played since 2008. And John Little wrote about that on the BigSpur.com. Carolina is undefeated all time against Winthrop, but this could be a little bit of a challenge tonight. These guys are fired up and ready to go. Uh, Carolina looking to get to 10-1 and one on the season. So we'll get into that preview coming up here in just a bit. But look no further, fella. We have found him. Hale McGranahan with the BigSpur.com. It's going to be a busy week for him. Carolina trying to keep their transfer portal class intact and growing. And, of course, they are trying to keep their signing class intact as well. We'll get the latest on all of that. Hale, first and foremost, Merry Christmas, my man. How are you? Doing well. If that was a Clayton Bigsby uh, joke you just made there to introduce me, JB, I, I'm doing doing even better now. That, it, no. was. <laughs> it was. Wow. Yeah. I think we're in the day and age where we need to be careful, but uh, yes, that was. Oh, absolutely. That, yeah. was, that was the wildest skit of all the skits on Chappelle. That was one of the wildest things. I mean, even David Davidson, there's some wild stuff here. I believe that was the very first one from his very first episode. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. something else, but, uh, but I, I mean, I, the, the, what was it? The insult guys that, that what were they? The, the pimps that walked around saying that, you know, oh, yeah. the insults that were funny. And then, of yeah. course, Rick James is one of my favorite ones. Ever. Yeah. That, um, Rick James, haters. cocaine is a hell of a drug. The haters, <laughs> the haters, the haters. Yeah. They're like, oh, what's up? Smile. You know, it was a, anyway, God, God bless Dave Chappelle. I, I've yeah. laughed for ever since uh, half baked. I've laughed at him. So, uh, yeah. he's, uh, he's hilarious. But, uh, Anyway, uh, that, all that aside, Hale, uh, I, I meant to ask you the last time you were on about Gatling because we just didn't even address it. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Gatling because he's the he's the uncommitted guy for the high school class. Um, I haven't seen any crystal balls, but and you've been covering it more than I have. I have no idea what to think. Uh, so I, I should have texted you, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. So um, just tell us what, what what do you know? What do you tell us? What you know? Probably could have put in a crystal ball. Um, when when he was on campus for his official visit at South Carolina back then, it was it was during the season. Uh, I think it was for the Kentucky game when he came in, and he was still committed to A and M at the time, and and they were you know still going through their stuff, and and things things were looking pretty good for Carolina at at that point, and uh, he he wasn't really even looking to take some other official visits uh, again at that point, and and I felt pretty good about South Carolina and. You know, a few weeks go by and and still hearing good things about South Carolina. It's it's not done yet. They they still gotta ultimately sign him, but yeah, like like I said, I, I could have put a crystal ball in a month ago and probably could have done it again last week if I really wanted to when I picked up some some intel and, and posted it on on the site. Uh, I guess it was on Friday. But uh, it, it's it's looking pretty good right now for him. There there's you know, a little more than a little less than 24 hours now before he signs at nine o'clock at his high school. But uh, it, it's looking I guess, like I guess my question is, where else would he go? Is there another school in the mix? Potentially Georgia Tech. Uh, you oh. know, there were, at one point, you know, going back to <clears throat> excuse me, November, uh, there there were some of the Florida schools that were poking around a little bit, but I I don't think he had 
too much interest in, in them. I, I'm not aware of a visit to any of those schools. You know, his his high school team uh, just won a state championship, and and he was busy doing that stuff. You know, playing playing with his high school team, and uh, and not really, I don't think, doing a whole lot recruiting wise. And, and that might be uh, speak to some of his interest in South Carolina and, and where where that might ultimately stand. So yeah, I think Georgia Tech's in the mix. I'm sure there's at least one or two others that, that I'm not aware of or have confirmed that uh, could also be players there. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, again, still like where South Carolina is. Sweet. For, for those that are, that, um, you know, are, are look at the numbers, the rankings, the, the, the uh, class ranking and things like that Would that, I mean, it clearly depends on what else happens around South Carolina, if there's other movement, but Let's say there's not. Would that affect the class ranking of 18, or would it move them up, down? Or it wouldn't move them down. Would it move them up a spot or two? Or if they were to land Gatlin, yeah. I you know I haven't messed around with the uh, the crystal ball calculator, and okay, and obviously part of it is depends on on what what the teams around them are doing. Like if, if there's anyone behind them, I you know, and and there are ways to kind of figure it out, especially if. You know the team. There are a few teams behind them who are significantly have have significantly lower uh, team scores to the point totals. Uh, the formula, I I certainly can't sit here and verbalize it, but uh, I, I would imagine that uh, they'll they'll probably be where they're finished where they are right now, give or take a spot or two. That that's just a general uh, way to look at it. And it's crazy because you you look. We were talking about this yesterday. Hell, eight guys. Eight in oh. the uh, either Under Armour or, or what used to be the Army All American Bowl. Yeah, uh, if and, Gatling, if Gatling comes, uh, that's yeah. eight. Uh, so, so that's and the then, first part of it. I, South Carolina's never had that much representation in those games um, since I've been covering it. Uh, I think the this, most was like oh nine, and if then this, if this is true here, what uh, if? So right now they're at. Okay, I, 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 this is this. Are you, are you on the class calculator, James? Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make okay. any sense. So, okay. so, so yeah, so that's number one. But number two, Hale, do you think because and I, in my in my title here today is the black okay. hole? That's an old Disney movie, the black hole. Everybody's seen that. I hope it's, it's don't go back and watch it if you watched it as a kid and liked it because it sucks now. It's like bad. But anyway, I think the transfer portal has acted like a black hole because. You know, just kind of this fan base, other fan bases, it's like they're almost ignoring the signing day, the actual traditional high school signing day. Yeah. Um, if this were just a, a, a normal class, I think Carolina fans would be jumping up and down, and popping champagne and celebrating <laughs> because uh, quality-wise, there probably hasn't been a class with this many blue-chip guys percentage-wise in it from the high school ranks uh, in a long time. So, uh, but but but, do you feel that kind of hail like the, the the portal has kind of engulfed us all, and yes. that that's kind of it's it sucked the life out of, of signing day. Yeah, I've I've been writing something that kind of spells that out in in my own way a little bit. I mean, you, you look at Dylan Stewart and Josiah Thompson; those are both five star composite uh, on the twenty four seven composite. Mm-hmm. Has South Carolina signed more than one five star ever? 
I was thinking about this last night. I, I don't I don't think so. I don't in the same think class. They have in the same class. I don't think they have. Yeah, they were close in 07 If with rivals rankings, if Carlos Dunlap had been mm-hmm. and committed because he was fourth in the country, Chris Culliver was a five star receiver, which I get blamed for all the time. But uh, it's uh, yeah, I don't you know because it's just. Lattimore and, and Clowney were in different classes. They're no 10 back to back. So, yeah. Didn't Muschamp? Uh, oh, no, no. No, it's that because Pickens and Burks Pickens. were in back to back. Yeah, they were separate. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I asked that to answer your question, JC. I, yeah. <laughs> Who, nobody's talking about South Carolina. Well, not, not a lot of people are talking about South Carolina getting ready to sign two five stars at premium positions like defensive and offensive tackle or right behind quarterback when it comes to how important they are. And, and those are major needs for this, this football team moving forward. Yeah. Okay. So some people forgotten about that. Exactly. And and like I said, eight under armor army, all Americans, eight, including the kicker. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen this, uh, you know, as far as that many guys out of a class that's small on the small side, um, and by the way, on that note, Sonder, and he, I meant to answer this yesterday, uh, the number of high school guys in this class, I don't, I don't think they had a whole lot of room to take many more guys. Are, are, you, are you, given their portal needs and all that, uh, Hale, uh, it's a class of 26, 27, but I don't think they have, um, I don't think they have a whole lot of room, uh, you know, to sign many more. No, they're they're right around that eighty five, depending on who actually signs tomorrow and which transfers come in. Um, yeah, they're right there. You know, take. Yeah, uh, Lloyd and Birch were in the same class action. Jackson Lloyd, was, Lloyd, a Lloyd was a four star. They dropped him. He was a five. Bill Summer's skeptical because they signed this December, then worry about portal next December. I guess. Yeah, I'm going to start taking a fire hose to this kind of talk, Bill. And you know, I love you, man, um, because it's not true. Uh, every high school guy that signed with Shane Beamer that they've wanted to keep around has stayed. There has not been a single high school guy that this staff has signed that they want to keep around that's left. Uh, and if you want to know like why everybody was talking about Vakari Swain leaving, it was the imagination of some of you. Vakari Swain was never thinking about getting to the portal. I mean, it, it bottom line, period, in the, in the discussion. So that kind of talk actually works against Everybody, you know, when it's against facts, sure. There may be a guy that signs that you get excited about that leaves. That happens. It's life. Georgia has lost. I went through their transfer list the other day. Guys, it's five-star, five-star, four-star, five-star, five. I mean, you know, uh, so what does that mean? Number one, it means five stars are overrated a lot. Number two, it means that, uh, you know, it means that don't cry. Don't, don't look around before you start crying about your own situation. You know, um, it's a new era. It's going to take adjustments for everybody. But this whole notion that Dylan Stewart's going to sign and then get in the portal next December is ridiculous. Maybe, but it would take something strange happening. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just, I just, I just don't get it. To to that, you you just said some five stars are overrated. I, I actually had a question on my agenda today to ask Hale. When you look at this class, and this is a tough question because I know you don't want to sound like a total, you know, what here, but when you look at this class, do you have a 
a player that you feel is underrated? Do, do you think that there is somebody who may be a little bit overrated just based on on what you've seen versus what everybody else has? I'll answer the underrated part first. And if you take out Mason Love, the kicker, punter, whatever he is, David Busey is the, the lowest rated guy in the class, lowest rated position player in the class. And that guy's – he's a damn football player. You watch his highlights and interesting. he looks really good playing wide receiver. He plays safety. He's being recruited to South Carolina to play safety or nickel. Probably not going to be able to put on enough weight to play a linebacker, but he sure hits like a linebacker. And he's, he's a really good just straight-up football player. His dad played at Syracuse, and I, I think he's the most underrated guy in the class – easily I, I think it helps that he's <laughs> the lowest rated position player in the class so I can make that case I, I guess I could also make make a case that way for Jalua Solomon because 24-7 has him as a three-star mm-hmm. for some reason um, pretty interesting yeah, yeah. I agree with all the decisions our rankings folks make but that you know internally those guys who, who are sitting in those rooms and JC you can certainly speak to this not everybody has the same opinion and, you know, these things happen. And so, yeah, I, I think he's very underrated because he's better than a three-star. As far as guys who are overrated, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to say, say a name and, and people are going to misinterpret that. So I'll just. No, uh, it, 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 that's what sensitive I meant. It, it, it's a heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I get it. I get it. Let me, let, let me ask you, let me ask you a separate one. Of this class, do you have a guy that you've circled that you think is a is a day one impact type player with, with what the Gamecocks have returning? Um, I know they're trying to answer a lot of those questions in the portal, but of these guys, is there a guy, hey, look, day one, he'll, he'll be out there? Uh, well, I, I could say Jalua Solomon first, but I, I, my, the first name has to be Dylan Stewart. Dylan Stewart. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even though, you know, he's a defensive end and, and lineman, do need a little time usually. Um, he's really good, and, and I think he's given also what what South Carolina's got coming back. I, I think he's going to be playing, and and they're they've been really committed to him throughout this recruiting process, and and I I would imagine uh, they're they're going to continue to be that way as as long as he does what he's supposed to. And I don't have any reason to believe that he won't because apparently he's he's worked really hard to put himself in the position he's in right now. I, I can't remember. Where exactly he was from a you know weight size standpoint in high school, like around a sophomore year, but uh, he he was not at, at that point was not a guy that people would look at me like oh he's he's a five star. He he had some room to grow literally, uh, and and again put himself into position to to be a five star guy, and and he plays like it when you watch the tape, and and I, I think he'll continue on on that track when he gets to Carolina. Do we, do either do either of you have any uh, any feel for why Cam Pringle has continued to slip? I, I, I mentioned yesterday, and again, I'll I'll say this publicly because if he was sitting on the show, he would say it publicly. But you know, I talked to Coach Atkins not long ago, and he said, "Look, I've been in be, being dead honest. Look, I've been in football for well over thirty years. I've never signed two tackles like this." Talking about Cam Pringle and Josiah Thompson, he he clearly thinks you're the best two in college football or uh, coming into college football. Uh, but Cam Pringle has continued to, for whatever reason, kind of slip down the rankings. Any any thought to that? 
you know, that's obviously been a point of contention within folks on 24-7, um, and I'm pulling up his ranking history now. He he debuted at 162, which was a little lower than probably it should have been. And, okay. uh, you know, he's he's only slipped a little bit from that. Like, he's 181 or 182 right now. So, in the grand scheme of things, he's he has dropped, clearly. Um, but it, well, it he, hadn't he had moved up, up, right? He moved way up, and then he dropped back. Is- yeah, I think he moved. He, no, I don't think he moved up. Let me let me pull this back up. Sorry, uh, live radio here. No, um, no, you're good. I've already done it. I've already screwed the pooch on. The yeah, he's here. he's. <laughs> no, he 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 went. He debuted at one sixty two, and he got up to one one sixty one, and now he's at one eighty three. So, oh, pretty. You're talking about those, and and it go, but it goes back to when he debuted. He. It felt like he should have been higher. And I, I, if memory serves, the initial top 100 they put out for 2024, he wasn't he wasn't on it, which I think it would probably been at some point during the sophomore years is typically when it goes goes out. And and he wasn't on there. And I remember being surprised to see that his name wasn't on there. I was like, dang, I I almost felt like I needed to do more to remind our rankings and ratings folks because that's part of it. Uh, when, when you're uh, at a team site like South Carolina or Georgia or Florida, or wherever, we, we try to help help our national rankings folks be aware of who's out there because I mean it's it's huge, especially when you're talking about younger guys. There, there's just a large pool of guys to pull from, and you're not going to get them all right immediately, and not going to get them all right the last time you do it. So it, it's it's a team effort, and then I felt like, well, damn, I. I needed to uh t- to remind these guys that, that there's not just Josiah Thompson like Cam Pringle is also in this state too and he's a big time player so anyway he 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 was lower than he probably should have been from the get-go and he's dropped a little bit but at, at the end of the day you know that stuff's not going to matter here in what three weeks no. we'll get to campus it's not and to be fair to 24 7 too when I pull up the composite history of rankings that's where he, he fell the most because it one point in time back uh, a little over a year ago, at the end of last year, compositely ranked across all platforms, he was at 44. And now he's down at 108. Um, so actually 24-7, although I, I – I'm well, I'm not going to say I because I'm not qualified. I don't know what all these other guys look like. But if, if they're guys like you think that they're – maybe he's ranked a little low, that's fair. It's also fair to say that 24-7 has been – relatively consistent in where they've had that ranking, but the composite is what has changed the, the most across all platforms. So others have certainly fluctuated, which has adjusted that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and JB, JC, Phil, as, as you guys know, and everybody who's listening know, there's um, sort of a, a narrative out there. I'll use that word, a narrative out there that 24 seven just drops Carolina guys. The minute they commit to Carolina or get a crystal ball to Carolina, they're falling. You know, everybody hates Carolina at 24-7, right? Like, that that's yeah. out there. There are people who are hearing what I'm saying being like, yeah, they, they hate us. Well, South Carolina's got seven guys in the top 247 for 2024. Going back to J- JC talking about all the All-Americans, well, there are seven top 247 guys committed to South Carolina, and four of them rose in the rankings that were put out yesterday. Three dropped, Cam being one of them. I don't think any of them dropped. Aside from Mazio, who Mazio Bennett, who dropped out of the top two four seven, 
the guys who dropped only dropped a handful of spots. So either way, just echoing what JC was saying earlier, it's a hell of a class, man. Let's 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 try to remember this as, as you know, early signing day approaches. Like this this is a really good class. And if they close with the guys they want to close on and sign everybody they want to sign, everybody should feel good and not not be down on Carolina football going into 2024. I uh on Cam Pringle he, I, I get like 24 7 has never been high on him. Of course, I, sometimes the offensive line rankings I, I, are, are mysteries to me. I mean, uh, who's the kid from Greenville High that went to Clemson? They moved, he was like a top 100 guy. I thought even the Clemson staff was like, probably not, uh, you know, he's, he's a guard. And you know, <laughs> I mean, it, uh, I, it's from that point on, I'm like, the, the offensive line rankings sort of. I mean, Big Tree Babalade was a borderline four and mm. started as a true freshman at left tackle against Georgia and held his own. So there you go. Trevon well, just got uh, oh, named, Trav- uh, all all league freshman. Oh, and he was what a three star maybe. Trevon Ball goes to the Under Armour game and is a ninety and then plays respectively down there. Nothing wrong with him and then moves to an eighty eight. So, I mean, the, the O-line rankings I take a lot of exception to. That said, it's a hard position. It wasn't my best position either. Uh, I think Tyron Smith, ranking him the number one tackle in the country, is probably the best thing I did because everybody else liked this other guy that, that wasn't as good. Um, so, and Tyron was ended, ended up good with the Cowboys and all that. But, uh, you know, the line of thinking with Pringle after talking to all of them is – it's kind of like how I felt about a certain kid that, that went to Oklahoma that was uh, almost came to Carolina. Or every time I saw him, he had a big name. Every time I saw him, he just slow, too big, all this other stuff. Well, that kid was Orlando Brown Jr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he signed at the last minute with Oklahoma, and I think he started four years there and got drafted pretty high in the draft. So – that could be the outcome with Pringle. So, sometimes I think when you evaluate an offensive lineman, you, you fall in love with the lean, athletic look. But then you forget when you turn the TV on Saturdays and Sundays, there are some big old dudes out there mauling. And and look, we'll learn more about Cam Pringle when he gets here. I think the kid, uh, maybe he's not ready to go day one. Um, and I think like, you know, Josiah Thompson, obviously, you know, based on what I read about him and his shrine bowl weight, he's going to have to put on some weight to be ready to go, but that can happen. But those two have special upside. I mean, they really, really do. Uh, but I do understand the logic. Uh, I don't agree with it, but I do kind of understand the logic behind the Pringle thing. And, uh, cause I've been there before and I ended up being wrong. So let's just hope they're wrong as well. Yeah. If you could take take the mask from Cam Pringle and add it to Josiah Thompson, um, that would be one hell of a offensive tackle. So if, if both those guys can do what they need to do to maximize their talents and talking about a hell of a combination of left tackle and right tackle for the next, what, three, four years. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of young talent on this in this offensive line group, as as we all well know, any any guys that we should be paying attention to that are in the fold that could be deflecting from the class tomorrow, Hale. Defecting. Yeah, Braden Lee got to start there. Maryland's always 
been in the picture and, and not real sure how that's going to go. He's he hasn't come out and said one way or the other. So reason reason to to track that one for sure. Zamarian okay. Lang, as I reported on Sunday, is not expected to sign with South Carolina. Okay. If if, if we can recall his recruiting process, uh, he was he was offered and evaluated and recruited initially as a defensive back, probably a corner. And at some point along the way, they told him he could play receiver, and if he wanted to commit, he could commit as a receiver. But he might end up getting moved to DB still. So uh, I, I think he wants to play receiver. I don't think South Carolina's – I know South Carolina's not trying to sign him as a receiver. So it looks like they're just going to go their separate ways. Um, beyond those two, of course, there have been some other guys who have been keeping an eye on. Um, you know, I, I, I finally mentioned that Virginia Tech has still been poking around and trying to get in with Fred Johnson, but I don't think there's going to be – I don't think that's going to happen. I, I still think he's going to sign with South Carolina, um, but they've been—I mean—they've been interested in him and trying to get him to flip since he committed to South Carolina. Before he committed to South Carolina, they still wanted him. I mean, he's—he's an in-state guy from Norfolk. <laughs> They're right. forcing try to try to get him. Um, right. So I again feel relatively good about where South Carolina is there. You know, Michael Smith is along the way had Tennessee and Auburn coming after him, but. I still think, you know, I've, I've heard good things the last several weeks, months, even maybe that South Carolina is in, in good position with him. Uh, so, again, we'll just try to see what happens as, as we get closer to the finish line. But uh, as, out of those guys, you know, Braden Lee's a question mark. Fred Johnson, not as big of a question mark. And it's could say the same about Michael Smith. Uh, then Zamarian Lang, uh, of course, is the one the only one that we know for sure who's listed as a commit who, who we're not expecting to sign with Carolina. 11.31 here on this Tuesday, December the 19th. Hale McGranahan, a couple minutes left, Hale, and then we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get you out of here. I uh, want to slide over to the transfer portal with the both of you. Uh, yesterday it was reported by J.C. Schubert. I'll let y'all have this conversation. I'll back out of it here. Uh, that uh, Gamecock, can we say it now? Guys, silent commit. Can we say that or no? I don't know. Is that allowed? Uh, Swan, AJ Swan. The passer? Yeah. Uh, can I say that, JC? Well, you can, can say whatever you want, dude. Okay, all right. Yeah. So, AJ Swan, Swan had silently committed to South Carolina. And then uh, I guess this is totally whipped around in 24 hours or so, and now he is headed to LSU. Can, y'all, can the two of you add any more to that situation? I, his mom, mom wanted him at LSU, is my understanding. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, from a football standpoint, he is much more similar to Garrett Nussmeyer than he is to Lenora Sellers. So maybe in his mind he feels like there's maybe a better opportunity style because they're kind of the same style guy. So, uh, but his mom, mom wins. Mom, mom is in charge, guys. You know, we have to understand that. And I don't know what she liked about Baton Rouge better than good old Columbia. I mean, you can get shrimp and grits both places. But uh, uh, I guess that was um, that was the family decision that they came with. He was the welcome home. Um, I think Hale. There's three guys that were welcome homes that never panned out. There's a, one was Trey John Jeffcoat last year. 
This was AJ this year. Who was the high school guy that, that never never made it? There was one other one. In last year's class? The 23 yeah, class? I think it was a 23. I can't remember, though. I don't, um, I don't think there was a high school, high school guy that way. Okay. Well, maybe those are the only two that have never made it in. But uh, so Shane's batting a pretty good uh, – pretty good percentage but uh yeah so i don't know um that's just what happened the quarterback situation uh and i said this earlier today during an interview everybody's all right so dowell loggins this is where 20 years in the nfl is going to help him and i say that from a chicago bears perspective because the backup to justin fields this year was a guy named tyler bignett or something uh, undrafted rookie free agent out of Shepherdsburg, West Virginia College, Division yeah, Two. Um, and he got in there and held his own pro football first year. So, if you're Tyler Loggins, you got to go find a Tyler Bignett. <laughs> you know, uh, you got to go dig and, and find a guy. I mean, it's uh, and and I think that you know, Dowell's kind of since he's been here, you know, he kind of inherited Reno and inherited, you know, the seller situation. Um, we've seen, he's got a 2026 commit, uh, but he's, he's got to go find some help. And so, uh, will they try to do that now? Or do you think that that'll, that'll happen when the portal it, opens back up in the late spring? What do y'all think? Kind of depends. Tyson bag, bag, Bagent. bag, agent. Agent. Yeah. agent, agent, no, nobody can pronounce it up here. Like Tyson, uh, bag, bag, Tyler, uh, Pooh, bears. Let's just call him Dicka. Let's just call him TB. Call him Dicka. Dicka. But uh, so so that's the deal there. Um, you know, Malik, Malik. I think Malik Murphy's going to Duke, um, yeah. which is interesting. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, he'll with, go to Duke, and then he'll go to Notre Dame because that's what happens when you play quarterback on Tobacco Road. You, you, For the little guys, yeah, you end up going to Notre Dame. It's a feeder school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, so you think, Hale, that they'll wait till the spring probably to try to sign another quarterback at this rate? I don't know that it'll need to go that long. There's still time before the spring semester starts in January. They can host, yeah, the recruits, host, host transfers for visits January. I think it's the 3rd through the 7th, and class starts the 8th. And uh, there, there, there will be opportunities for, for guys to visit after the 7th. You, know, you can still add or drop classes at, at Carolina up until I think it's the 16th or 18th, somewhere in there. So mm-hmm. there's going to be there, – there's still some time to figure this thing out before before guys got to be in school uh, in time to, to go through spring practice. So I don't, I don't necessarily think it, it's going to take as long as the spring, JB. I, I mean, it could, for all I know. It could. But there, it's the, the door's not – closed on uh, on this thing being resolved before spring practice yeah and keep in mind guys the portal is is uh is going it's still open um the only thing that's shut down right now is visits i still think you can sneak an, an unofficial you can do it unofficial if you do it on your own i don't know um it, but oh, like, like <laughs> yeah like last year their kids committing on christmas getting in the portal and commit i mean it, it it's 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 open and then even when it when it shuts, that doesn't prevent you from taking a guy out of the portal at all. It just prevents guys from getting in. So, right. so th- there's wide open. Uh, Cat Daddy points out Keelan Adams this cycle. Hail it happened ah. this cycle, 
remember. Yeah, yeah he, he was a, he Virginia was, Tech, yeah. right? So that's yeah. happened tw- twice this cycle, man. Harrison, shout out Harrison Lutheran who uh, pointed that out. Too. Oh, thank Harrison, you, Harrison. Oh, oh, that. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I saw Cat Daddy. He, I don't. I don't keep my eyes glued to the chat box all the time. But I do. I do. Even when I'm talking, I do. So, I that's don't. good, Hale. Thank you, it, it, Hale. No if you problem. do that, it'll it'll make you want to bang your head into a brick wall until it falls off your shoulders. I would not do that if I was you. Thanks for our, our spotter, Hale McGranahan. There's some <laughs> other people who, who mentioned a few names, like Bruin Gamecock Barbecue Bruin Nation mentioned Hobbs. I think Carson Hobbs. He committed to South Carolina, then then flipped to Notre Dame. And somebody yeah. said another name earlier. Like there there have been a few guys who obviously who. Yeah, there's been guys that have flipped, but uh, like what I'm talking about is the welcome home comes out. We're all sitting here waiting, and then the kid never goes public. You know, once the kid goes public, then that's more of a traditional flip. Um, Everybody's asking about Cam Fountain. My understanding is that ship has sailed and that he was being truthful to Phil when he said he's sticking with Southern Cal, man. (laughs) I mean, sometimes I guess uh, guess there's something to be said for what a guy says. I respect that. You know, what do you think? Yeah, I, well, I think we're a little leery of it, JC, because it seemed positive for South Carolina, especially coming out of that Kentucky game, and as as well as that weekend went. Um, so, you know, he's, he's yeah. sticking with Southern Cal. His mom's probably more pro Southern Cal than anybody on Twitter right now. Uh, <laughs> well, Gamecocks have done all right with the with a defensive end position, bringing in Kyle Kennard from Georgia Tech, and certainly Dylan Stewart. I mean, they've yeah. they've they've set this thing up nicely for the future. Tyus Gear, uh, Des Umiazulo, still young guys. I mean, this is this is they they've got talent out there. Like those guys should play well. I, mean, I would have honest, right? I would have liked to have seen them one more guy at the end, just one more, like a big traditional end. Uh, and they they may still get somebody from the portal, or uh, I mean, they're still open for business as far as that position goes. Sure. But, uh, yeah. High school, high school wise, I would like to see one more DN. I would like to have seen maybe a few more receivers. Um, but I understand at the time they didn't have room at receiver because of all the then all the guys left. So that's a hindsight thing. And then I think high school running back recruiting obviously leaves a lot to be desired. I mean, you go one for five, or whatever you did. Um, Thank God for the portal, but uh, you know that's that ends up being like a one for nine for the last few years, and that that obviously maybe there needs to be a better sales pitch there. But uh, but you know they got the bottom line is they flip the room, so it doesn't matter. But um, I do think that uh, if I if I had to kind of dig dig into the class, I would think that the, those would be the positions where I'm like, ah, I just kind of wish they'd have done here, there, yonder. But you never get everything you want. It's not a perfect world. Recruiting is not a perfect science. So, uh, overall, it's, there's not a lot to complain about there. And somebody asked about McGowan. Hale? Well, we don't have anything new to post since last night. It's on the big spur. Um, you know, he's considering Boston College. And that's about all we can say at this point. We'll see. We well, I, I, I heard from a, a contact with Lawrence, uh, kind of, Family style side style side of things that he's still going to stick with Carolina, but and that, that's the same person that told me he's committing. So, but I, I will say this: there, there's 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 not. Uh, somebody mentioned earlier about the NIL thing; it can't get outbid by Boston College. Yes, you can, and you should. 
I mean, look, I love Jaden McGowan. I think me and Hale both have talked about this kid for how many years, dude? How many years we talked about McGowan? We love him. We love his speed. I think he's a competitor. Uh, I like him. I think he he, he belongs on a group of uh, power five football roster. Okay. That said, look, man, 12 catches against SEC competition last year. 75% 75% of his production was against Elon, Hawaii, and Wake Forest. Um, I don't know that it was quite 75%. But, uh, yeah, something like that. Those are the two stats. I, I came up with one stat, and Hale came up with another on text last night. But uh, And I've been parroting that. I'm not trying to be rude here. And I'm not. And, I, and like I said, I hope they hold on to it because I think speed is lovely. And in-state kids are great to have. They tend to outperform. But – you're not going to pay over market value for a five eight receiver that's got twelve catches against SEC teams. Uh, NIL wise, there is NIL is, is a is a valuation in a lot of ways. I mean, you you'd be dumb to do it because guess what happens? You overspend there, and somebody else comes along that can really help you, and then you get then you do get outbid. Same thing's true with LT Overton, guys. I know he's got five stars. I think he's got a big upside to him. But they needed immediate help there, and they had Kyle Kennard above LT on the board. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I know it's easy to love the five star deal and all oh, five star. Oh my God, he's you know, up the upside, and he and he does have an upside. He's a great kid, right? A, a long runway. However, you know, here's how much five stars mean. Georgia, look at their transfer portal class at, at outgoing. Sixteen guys have left that the most stable and successful program in the country right now. Three of those guys are five stars, two five star corners, and a five star quarterback. What does that really mean when it comes to LT Overton versus Kyle Kennard, who proved it at a power five level, big play after big play after big play for Georgia Tech over a period of years? So that, that's the kind of thing you have to keep in mind when, when you're talking about NIL portal making the puzzle fit together. We're in a much more complex era of roster building. I don't have all the answers. Maybe some of you can help me with some of those answers. <laughs> I'm not claiming to be an expert, but we all have to kind of start thinking a little differently in terms of the concern about the optics. Like you should never lose a kid to Boston College. Well, true, you shouldn't. I'll say flowers. Um, but uh, at the same time, in in these situations, you know, you have to do what's best for your program, and that's not always just you know, overreaching and going and getting guys that, that where you could use those resources and deploy those in a more impactful manner. Yeah, I, I said the very first day this month that I was on the show, I can't remember what the date would have been, but it was portal stuff was getting going and then said you need to be aggressive when, when the portal's going and, and who you're trying to get, like that's just the nature of it. You got to be you got to be aggressive. But you can't overextend yourself. That's it's. I know people contribute money and and all that, and 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 so it's not per se. Hey, you're, they're not spend. They're, it's easy to spend somebody else's money. Yeah. But in this day and age, when when people are contributing, it's in a lot of cases, it's it's their money. But um, it's not an unlimited pool. Nobody's got an unlimited pool. If it was as yeah. simple as paying whatever to whoever you wanted, then, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia would just be breaking the bank. And and they are breaking the bank in some cases. But 
places would be breaking the bank for anybody and everybody and just not thinking twice. And, and, you know, here's all this money. Like you want it, you got it. Like that's, that is not reality. That's not how it goes in, in any business. And I know this one's a little different and everybody's learning at the same time, players, coaches, media, fans, everybody's figuring this out all on the fly. But yeah, there's also, there's also the, the simple fact that, uh, you don't always get what you want just because you're going going to someone with your hand out saying, "Can I have this?" You're not always going to be told yes, and and that that does apply to to this world too, believe it or not. Well, I'll say this too, and I know we got to get you on out of here, but uh, it, it 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 I as someone that has a collective that's involved with this, I, I'm promising everybody out to this. I, I believe it's my responsibility. Uh, as much, and I'm not talking about, I don't, you know, you don't ever override the deciders, right? <laughs> but in terms of people that would ask my opinion, I, I'm always thinking of being a good steward of people's money because it is y'all's money that you've contributed to NIL. Um, and I, and you, I, I can promise you that if I have anything to say about it, I'm always going to be a good steward of that and not, <laughs> I take that responsibility pretty seriously. And so does everybody else that's involved with NIL at Carolina. You can take that to the bank. So, um, and it's just one of those things. So are you being a good steward, uh, you know, and, and, you know, by, you know, overpaying for guys just because of perception? No, you're not. And, and nobody, and, and I think throughout the country, most programs operate the same way with that. I mean, I don't know. Boston College, just their receivers coach just may love that kid and think he's a game breaker and uh, all that. And in the ACC, maybe maybe he's a little more, you know, maybe maybe he is. But uh, um, you know, there's just so much so much you can do with that. That said, McGowan probably will end up part of the class. I, I'm going to look back on this and go, man, we talked more about that kid during the portal era than anybody else. And, and lo and behold, nothing changed, and he ended up at Carolina. So. Uh, put that one to rest. Hell, on that note, we will let you run, my man. Uh, we have got to – we're way behind, so we got to get it to a timeout here. Mike Morgan coming up in 15 minutes. But um, uh, first and foremost, uh, Merry Christmas to you and and your wife and your entire family. We we can't thank you enough for everything that you uh, do for our program. It makes us better every week, and, uh, and so we certainly owe you for that. But uh, uh, over these next couple of days, we know you'll be busy with the portal and the national signing day and all those things, but we sure hope you get a few days to relax and enjoy this, uh, the holiday season, man. So thanks so much. And Merry Christmas. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me on and letting me goof around with you every Tuesday. And, uh, it's always, always a good time. So Merry Christmas to the three of y'all and everyone out there who is watching and or listening. Appreciate it you. doesn't matter what, what JC says about you. I don't believe any of it. Uh, we, we certainly think better of you. Than, than <laughs> no but I've got a, t- I got a T-shirt coming with Hale's face on it. Oh, oh. Uh, I'm oh. just kidding. Oh, really? oh. It's oh. actually oh. underwear. Oh. Hale, Hale boxers. I thought he, yeah. Ha- oh. Hashtag Hale yes across the he, ass. Yeah, That'd be great. I you said it was, yeah, I thought you. Nice <laughs> Now that we've made Hale uncomfortable, no, 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 no. Uh, we thank, love you, man. Thanks. Thank you, brother. Have a wonderful Bye. week. Merry Christmas. Same to y'all. Hale McGranahan. Uh, it's eleven forty-eight. Got to step aside. Inside the game, Cox. We'll be right back. Down here in the south. 
We don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome to Palm Casual Patio Furniture. Because we are the factory, Palm Casual has the ability to offer the highest quality outdoor furniture paired with world-class service. Since 1979, our factory showrooms have done our best to make the buying process as easy as possible for our customers. Our understanding of the many factors that go into your decision has helped us create our 30-day trial period that increases the level of comfort our customers feel during the shopping experience. Visit us in Somerville and online at palmcasual.com. Gamecock owned and operated. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecock's great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend. A career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing, and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup Swing Shop. Play ball. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston. 
Powering Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle. longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. Because you've become my home. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down. back here that is the uh, theme song of every day at uh, phil mullinax's home inside the gamecocks it's 11 55 short timeout or short whatever this is what is this a segment and then uh, we got to hit another timeout and uh the golden yeah. tones of great mike morgan will be up next tonight at seven o'clock the nine and one gamecocks coming off a closer than many of us thought it would be type win over charleston southern and by the way that closeness has certainly cost them with national analysts more on that in a minute uh, they've got uh, the winthrop eagles who are eight and four just had a four-game winning streak snapped by xavier but winthrop could play a little bit dave weinstein and john williams will be on the call if you're going to watch it but we all know Derek scott casey manning that's where you want to be tonight seven o'clock uh, tip from colonial life six thirty. Airtime. Uh, Carolina leads the series 6-0, but they've not played since Darren Horn was the head coach at Carolina on November the 16th, 2008. 83-63, the final score uh, in that one. Uh, Gamecocks 42 in the net rankings, and uh, they have fallen to 69 in the Ken Palm rankings. And how about this? You ready? They, they haven't lost. They went from being uh, the first four buys in the tournament, according to Joe Lenardi, in, in a week by winning to the first four out. Uh, that's something. So if that goes to show you anything, uh, I you know, clearly they're going by the metrics and the numbers, and uh, that's where that slides them to uh, first four out here on December the 19th, 2023. Yeah. All right. I'm, they were favored uh, that they did not cover? Uh, probably. What, what was the line? 
a 20 something, 20 and a half. Yeah, Charles Oakley Southern hadn't been good. No, it's just were, uh, Carolina was just kind of a slip step slow on defense, and then Charles oh, they were just three, hit contested 342. Shots. 342. Yeah. CSU was 342 in the net, yeah. in the uh, no, in Ken, in Ken Palm. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. And so, here's the other thing, too. So after last night's whatever affected this last night, I didn't see. I didn't know Virginia Tech played last night, but whatever affected that uh, moved Vatech out of. I mean, of, of course, this can move right back up, but it moved them from a Q1 to a Q2 victory. Yeah, they were right at fifty, and it has to be top fifty for it to be Q1. Right. So we got a pull for the Hokies. Got a pull for George Washington. So when you add all those metrics, that's where you get Lenardi's. Yeah, and it, 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 right now it's December. I mean, it's all going to sort itself out once conference play starts. Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm not Mississippi. Over, yeah, all the teams that you know. And now there's some teams in the SEC with low, low net rankings. Vanderbilt's I think in three hundreds, but uh, um, you know, and think, and you know, somebody needs VMI needs to win a daggum game. They're zero and ten. They didn't look like zero and ten when they came in and played Carolina, but. Uh, they're 0 and 10. So, you know, I don't know. Um, all right. So I'm going to solve these two issues here real quick on the portal because Mike's coming in. And I think I'm going to stick around for the first 30 minutes of Mike just because it's going to be a lot of fun. But we always get off another topic. So, number, number one, Bird's worried about offensive line. And I was asked about this today, too, in, in an interview. There's a school of thought out there among the fan base that, oh, they need to go get three or four offensive linemen because the line was so bad. Well, I think you got to ask yourself this question, Bird. Why was the line bad this year? Well, it was because they were injured. They could get no continuity. And guess what? They were also very young and, tal- and, and talented, but young. Okay? Trevon Ball is going to be better next year. Big Tree is going to be better. Marquis is going to be back. Jalen Nichols is back. Rashawn Lee is back. The answers for the O-line primarily lie on campus and incoming. That said... If Monroe Mills wanted to come, sure they'd take it. An experienced tackle, you, you know, after last year, you, you take it. But, but it's not numbers-wise and stuff and, and future-wise. That, that's a position. It's not like running back where you walk into the room and go, hello, hello, anybody here? You know, a <laughs> uh, receiver where you have a mass exodus of numbers. Yeah. There's guys there. So that's where that answer lies. It's not It's not a portal pro- a priority. Uh, so to speak. And then the whole quarterback thing, man, KJ Crawford reported no interest, no, no talk, nothing. Get that out of your mind. And, 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 you know, KJ to me, and again, I respect the guy. Toughest, toughest nails. He's Dondrell Pinkins, who was pretty good when he was here. Okay. But Lenore Sellers is not Dondrell Pinkins. That's so. There you go. And that's nothing against Don Jarrell because he played his butt off. And I, I thought he was took a lot of crap, but he was pretty good. But, you know, KJ's that guy. So if you think Don Jarrell Pinkins would have beaten out Lenora Sellers this coming year, then um, let me know. Yeah. Time out. Hour one in the books. Gamecock Traditions in West Columbia, if you're in the area. Fill some time to shop. GamecockTraditions.com. We'll be right back. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. This holiday season, you can give a gift like never before. 
Hey guys, it's JB. Rescues in Resin produces custom-designed wood and resin products. From tables to wall art, coasters to cutting boards, and pretty much anything you can dream. Proud Gamecocks and veteran-owned Dustin and Tabitha are creating products that will blow your family and friends away when they take the wrapping paper off this Christmas. Check them out in the Chief Sports app now to get your custom order in before it's too late. Rescues and Resin are also proud supporters of Carolina Rise and proud partners of the Chief Sports Network. Rescuesandresin at gmail.com or in the Chief Sports app is where you can find them. Change your gift-giving game today by ordering a custom design through our friends Tabitha and Dustin and Rescues and Resin. company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina, and we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product, and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Carolina Barbecue presents the national anthem every day here on Inside the Gamecocks. The show, CarolinaBarbecueSauce.com is where you can go to get one of their elite, well, gourmet sauces and rubs, but they have three different packs, the All-American Pack, the Hall of Fame Pack, and the Palmetto Pack. The Palmetto Pack has two mustard, one secret spice. The Hall of Fame has one of each sweet heat and the mustard-based, and then a secret spice, and then the All-American Pack has two sweet heat sauces and one secret spice. CarolinaBarbecueSauce.com, and you may have missed, you might be able to squeeze them in there for some stocking stuffers, but if you missed it, 
The good news is this. You can use barbecue sauce and barbecue rub 365 days a year. You don't just have to have it for Christmas. You might want it for New Year's. You might want it for Valentine's. You might want it for, Mike, when's your birthday? July. You might want it for Mike Morgan's birthday next July. It's a great time uh, to smoke Much some appreciated. Or something like that. So there you go. Carolina barbecue sauce.com. You see everybody, you hear, you hear that? The whole country was hearing that on, on Sunday, national radio in the NFL, the golden tones of the great Mike Morgan here. And we're, we're happy he is because it's the holiday season. And uh, Mike, are you going to, so what is your schedule? Because Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. Are you calling a game this week? I'm not. Thankfully, uh, I have Christmas Eve off. So I've got an LSU basketball game this Thursday. And um, I'll have my next NFL game will be New Year's Eve, I think. Um, oh, where's that? Don't know yet. Everything is flexed in the NFL now. Okay. At, so you get this point in the year, um, and this is what – you know, this is what CBS has been doing to the SEC game of the week for years, which has caused a lot of frustration for fans trying to plan their their day. That's not going to be a factor anymore because ESPN ABC owns it. So you'll now have concrete times and you can plan things uh, farther in advance than you, that you could before. But the NFL is still goes by that model. Uh, they want possible games on prime time, so they make everybody wait. So, yeah, um, that's going to be the uh, the situation with that. So I'll have, I think, uh, two more NFL games and a couple more basketball games before uh, we get into 2024. Um, and then it'll be, you know, your typical Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday type uh, rotation. So if you – I'm looking at the schedule for the 31st. So here, here's where you – let's see. You could potentially want the uh, – you maybe L.A. at New York. So you could spend New Year's in New York City. Would you put on a diaper and go down there and watch the ball drop or no? no I don't want any part of that. I don't <laughs> want that smoke. All right. No. Uh, m- maybe New Orleans at Tampa. That could be a good place for New Year's. I'm down Tampa. with that. I was just in Tampa a week ago. Um, I'd be I'd be fine to go back. How about Miami? Has Miami got a home well, game. On the road, See, I, I'm I, for uh, for selfish reasons. I'm sitting here pulling for Tampa or Miami. I'm like, you know. oh yeah, yeah. No, well, we're 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 gonna make this work, JC. I'm going to be there one way or another. I'm already driving from Gainesville to Jupiter on the thirtieth. Uh, uh, is that the 29th? Whatever day your wedding is, yeah, thirtieth, uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm going to be there, but um, where, and where I do might you have not to want to be on calling a game on New Year's. You anywhere New cold? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, here's you definitely don't want to be in Buffalo. Man. You don't want to be in Buffalo. No, I don't want to be in Buffalo for that one. Um, although that is one of the so I've called an NFL game now in probably Carolina about two thirds of the the stadiums. But I've never called one in Buffalo, so it is on the bucket list. I want to check mark every NFL stadium when I'm done. So yeah. Buffalo's we, on there, but not need, in January. Do we need to pull some strings to get you the Panthers and the Jaguars on? <laughs> oh my goodness! On uh... so let me just tell you this real quick. 
Um, I worked with Chuck Oliver last Friday, uh, filling in on Chuck and Chernoff. And, you know, Chuck, for those that don't know, huge college football guy, uh, nicknamed the king for college football and, and does a two hours by himself every day, a college football show from like uh, 10 to, to noon or whatever. Um, so we, we have, it's a four hour show. And then plus there's a conversation with the previous show, uh, Domino and Cellini. So really you're, you're in there for four and a half hours talking so, um, I mean, the, the brilliance of this show is, like, we know what our hook is, and you're going to get better Gamecock coverage, and you just have, like, the biggest recruiting savant that ever lived in J.C. Sherbert uh, on this show. Uh, but we're also capable of talking other things and doing big picture and everything else. Well, when you're doing a four-and-a-half-hour show in Atlanta, you, it, we talked a ton of college football, believe me, but you got to talk about other things, including the dreaded Atlanta Falcons. And I was talking to some of the folks that I still know in Charlotte from my time doing the Panther preseason games, and I was like, is this team the worst? Because I, I, my first, uh, well, during my five-year span, one of the teams I covered was the 1-15 Panthers team, and then that led to Cam Newton, and the rest is history. But that 1-15 was bad, 15 team was bad. But remember now, they had like, Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams, they got Olsen in a trade. They had Julius Peppers. They had Beeson. I mean, they had some dudes. This Panther team is just awful. Like, they don't have much of anything. Um, it, it, it's almost been a, a sermon on how to build a bad team and then mortgage your future for Bryce Young so you don't have the number one pick in the draft. So you have all that going on. And then they're playing the Falcons, who aren't very good, but they've got Kyle Pitts and Drake London, and Desmond Ritter was a great college quarterback. I don't think he's going to be able to be an NFL starter after this year, just my opinion. Um, they've got some some good players on both sides of the ball. And the way we set it up was, if somehow the Falcons lose to this Carolina Panthers team, is it the worst loss in Falcon regular season history? We know about the Super Bowl 28-3. Uh, and we agreed it was. And I leaned on people like Chuck who have been around Atlanta longer than I have. They were talking about the 1986 Falcons loss to the 0-13 Colts at the time. That would be right up there. But even that Colts team was more talented than this Panthers team. And sure enough, as I'm calling the uh, Titans-Texans game, I'm getting scoring updates. And the last one that came in was Panthers 9 and Falcons uh, 7, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it just happened. They just had the worst loss in Falcons regular season history. And that's saying something. That is saying something, folks. I've never been an Arthur Smith guy. Oh, you're not going to last. You don't have to worry about it, JC. He's not going to last. The funny thing is, I would would venture that – because most most fans – and the the Panthers have never done a a good job of bridging the gap – I don't think most South Carolinians care about the Carolina Panthers, and unfortunately, no, really. um, they haven't done they haven't done much to change that. Uh, so most doing when I came now, to pulling them out right, of but when I came to Columbia, most South Carolinians were Falcon fans from the leftover yeah. days, right? Like UJC, I was, and yeah. and a lot of them were Redskin fans. Believe yeah. it or not, That's North team. The Reds yes, okay. the Phil dog. raised his hand. Yeah. yeah. North yeah. Carolina, especially, was full of. I remember the Falcons playing because uh, our boy Derek Moore, our buddy Derek Moore, was actually on in the pre his preseason game. Redskins. It was before the Panthers came. It was Redskins Falcons in Chapel Hill, sold out. 
and a sea of, of Redskins fans. Uh, you know, I, I knew people growing up from North Carolina. They're like, I'm, I'm Washington Redskins fan. Washington. Washington. Steve Spurrier grew up a Redskins fan in East Tennessee. How about that? Because there was no, there were no other teams in the South. That's right. In the NFL, yeah. that was the closest one. Right. And then, he, and then he played for maybe the worst team in the history of the NFL, the 76 Bucks. That's when an expansion team, you didn't give them first-round draft picks and a bunch of veteran you know, you now if we have an expansion team next year in, I don't know, pick an NFL city that doesn't have one that you think should have one. What they would do is they would load them up with first round picks, and then every other team in the league could only protect so many players on their roster, and the other guys would be eligible for the expansion. So it's not a true expansion team. Spurrier was the starting quarterback on a seventy-six bucks team that had none of that. They 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 didn't inherit like good veteran players. They. They drafted Leroy Selman, who wound up in the Hall of Fame, and that was great as a as a defensive player. But I mean, he was throwing to like cab drivers at, at wide out, and you know, plumbers were in the backfield, and uh, you know, your local meatheads were on the offensive line that they pulled out from uh, I don't know Gold's Gym or something. I mean, he had no chance, and it's unfortunate because who's to say if Steve didn't didn't play for some better teams, if he wouldn't have had a better uh, pro career. You know, but it was never a great pro career. He played for the 49ers. He played for the expansion Bucks, but he had no chance in Tampa. Hey, are you saying cab drivers can't catch, Mike? Come on. Very few that I've met. Uh, several have a foul aroma. You, you can catch a whiff of them uh, in the back seat. Wait, you still use cabs? I'm, I'm more of an no. Uber. No. Well, if you're in New York, you know, sometimes a yeah, cab is cheaper than an Uber. Sometimes. Well, in New York, it they're, I mean, you still use them. They're everywhere. I mean, they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, cabs aren't completely extinct yet. They're, they're, they still have a, they still have a life run. And sometimes, if your Uber app doesn't work, you don't have a choice. You gotta, you gotta cab it. Is there a? I mean, I don't even know why we're talking about this, but like, is there a, <laughs> a city that doesn't have a team that will be getting one soon? In the NFL. Yeah. I couldn't think of one when you said that. I was I like, couldn't Poo. either. I could think of it for baseball, but for baseball, no, Nashville will be right up there, and Vegas will be up there. Vegas. I think those are the two. I Vegas guess. is already supposedly getting the A's, and and there's talk in Chicago that the White Sox maybe. We talked about this yesterday on JC and Morgan. The White Sox may be Nashville bound. Yeah, so that would be a no. Oh, it would suck for up here. Everybody, I mean, this team's been here 130 years. Yeah, why, yeah I mean, they're, why would, they're just as popular as the Cubs, if not more, in in the city. So, but uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, man, <laughs> so that would be uh, a travesty. But no, it's uh, yeah, football it can't be just, in it can't be in Florida. Oh, I know who would get a team. Probably St. Louis. Probably St. Louis because again, uh, well, it's look, twice. Hey, 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 whoa, whoa, wait a minute, whoa, whoa. <laughs> wait a minute, hold on. Uh, I went to a uh, – G.A. Mangus called plays right before the pandemic hit. The lady and I went to St. Louis because G.A. was calling plays for the New York Guardians. We know G.A., yeah. right? He's a, a, a legendary guest of the show and legendary former coach here. So we went out to see G.A. because it's a four-hour drive through Cornstalks and such, and we went. And the was, they were playing the St. Louis Battlehawks, right? And that place was packed. The Transworld Dome or whatever – now they the upper deck was blocked off, but it was just packed and loud, and they were yelling like curse words to Cronky, who moved the team back to L.A. and stuff. Um, 
So I, I, I think there would be the support there for St. For Louis, but uh, just knowing what I know. But, but you know, then there's politics, and their politics, just like a lot of cities, are, is very dysfunctional. So mm. who knows? But, yeah, I can't think of any place, Micah, other than St. Louis that well, the NFL would go. I, I would be skittish about St. Louis. International before they pick one out domestically. Oh. I think that's, well, that's what, what the greedy – yeah, the NFL, uh, you know, Goodell and those, they'd love to have that from a financial standpoint. I mean, part of why the, the cash register keeps running for the NBA is because the international appeal is off the off the charts good. It's, you know, since Yao Ming, you've got all the Asian population into, into the NBA. You've got players from Africa. You've got players from Europe. Uh, and so the whole world, it's truly a global game. The NFL is trying that, and they keep playing games in London and this for this year, Frankfurt. That's Germany, not Kentucky. Uh, they played in Mexico City, and, and you're, you're trying to, to, to do that. And I don't know how much headway they're making, um, and I don't know if you, if you did a, a true pro-international team, um, oh, the, the travel would be a beast. What if I don't, you, I mean, I don't, why don't they consider, I mean, I know it's cold, but they make domes now. Like, why, why not Canada? They got their own thing going. They don't. They have their they own Canada. We love yeah. the Montreal yeah. Alouettes and the, and a, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, they, eh? I mean, they do, but. They play in the summer, too. The Canadian Football League does, I think. Yeah. They play in the summer, don't they? I think that I think that's right. I, think I mean, I don't. I don't, yeah. I don't want to play football in Mexico City. You might get beheaded on the way to the ballpark. That sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Not I would imagine they would stay very close to the. Uh, it's kind of like when you go to a resort, you know, in the Caribbean. Like I did this once. A, a friend of mine and I went to uh, Dominican, and and we stayed at the Marriott Resort. And you know it's all inclusive, so it's all the bells and whistles. And then one night we're like, oh, let's 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 go check out a couple bars. And we walked out, and within minutes, they were flanked by two guys on motorcycles offering us everything from cocaine to guns to everything else. And I'm looking at my my buddy, and he's looking at me like, all right, if this goes down, you got the one on the left, I got the one on the right. I'm a lover, not a fighter, but every now and then things happen. And uh, thankfully, they eventually peeled off. So we wound up going to a bar, and then we get back to the hotel, and the concierge is like, "Senors, how did it go?" And we're like, "Well, about that, uh, Hector. It was a, uh, it was a little bit dicey out there." He goes, "Where did you go?" I said, "Well, we went, you know, about uh, I don't know, half a mile this way." He goes, "Oh no, 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 no! You don't do that. You don't do that again. That's very dangerous." Okay, dude, man, good to know. <laughs> I, I'll say, oh, you, stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> you, you dumb, you dumb American gringos! You want to get killed? Don't do that again. Gringos. Stay oh, no, here, stay here on the on the whole campus of the beautiful Marriott Dominican. Otherwise, you might be dead. One thing about NFL in Europe, everybody's got to keep in mind. There's difference between the United Kingdom, like uh, because of bre- Brexit, uh, and the European Union. I could not imagine being an NFL player and getting traded to a team located within the European Union where you're going to get taxed at 60% living in Germany or France or someplace like that. I mean, that maybe it's not that high, but it's 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 way higher than the states. High, high um, yeah. The you'd have so the collective bargaining angle of that would probably 
gum that up, Mike, in my opinion, because you yeah. know the, the players that play on that European team, they'd have to live there, you know? Um, well, tr- it, or, or the, it could be like a lot of the players, for example, that play for the California teams that don't want any part of the taxes there, so they homestead somewhere else in like a Texas or a Tennessee or a Florida where you don't have to pay state income tax. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, your your point is right. I mean, it, it, none, none of the players are going to want to play there. Now, it still beats – Working for a living, right? Playing, playing pro football and making millions, but uh, that would be the least desirable place to play. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I just pulled up a map of the United States, and I literally cannot figure out where another team would go. I mean, there's no I, San Antonio, Memphis. maybe Oklahoma City. Because there's mm. yeah, San Antonio's got Austin. Austin's an hour from San Antonio, and that's kind of a big metro area in Texas, but. State of Texas is going to three teams. I don't know that they nah. care. I mean, well, the NFL the state of much. Florida has three teams. You say, oh, well, they're, you know, nobody cares. Well, yeah, how Jacksonville Jaguars. ever got a team is still a, a a miracle. And of course, that that they are the ones that have made the most international trips. Yeah, because yeah. they're just their owners. Well, like, I can't sell this thing out. No, go ahead and t- nah, send us to yeah. Antarctica. That, there was talk ballpark, when, when that ballpark needs some work too. When the Bears yeah. were going to move out of the city, and they still may, when the Bears were going to move out of the city, the mayor up here was like, we'll just go get an expansion team to play at Soldier Field. And the talk was, because the owner lives in Chicago, that the Jaguars would be coming. I was like, that's the most horrible idea. This city, like all their fran- all the franchises have been here for decades, you know. You're going to put a, you know, I just, let's go to Soldier Field and watch the Jaguars. Yeah, that that, that wouldn't work. Well, they LA, need to obviously. LA and New York have two teams. I, I think I, so. Peyton, Manning, Peyton Manning needs to open a team in Omaha. Sell like hotcakes. Omaha is much bigger and industrial than I ever thought it would be uh, when I first got there, but I don't think they're getting an NFL team uh, any, anytime soon. Yeah, I'll I, I tell you one thing, though. The, the, if you noticed, Washington. Uh, speaking of a team that needs a new stadium and will get one, uh, especially now with new ownership, they just have announced like they're they're leaving their baseball stadium, which I went to a couple of years ago. It's not that bad, but it's the it's the area, and they're they're taking the Braves model. The Braves back in 2017, in the middle of the night, when the mayor was playing footsies with the Falcons ownership, and then tried to tell the Braves, "Well, oh yeah, where are you going to move to? I dare you." Okay, g- goodbye. We're leaving downtown, and we're going where most of our season ticket holders are in North Atlanta, and we're going to build this whole thing around it with restaurants and bars where families can have a great time. It's called the Battery, and screw you. And they did it, uh, and of course, some of your AJC writers with typical agendas, uh, oh, how this is going to be a terrible decision. It's been the best thing the Braves ever did. And for those that have been to Turner Field and the new ballpark, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And now Washington's going to do the same thing. They're going to build a new stadium for the Nationals. It's going to be surrounded by a thing like the Battery. That's what everybody's doing now. Because people don't want to just go to the stadium, especially for baseball, and have nothing else to do. They want to have restaurants. They want to have bars nearby. And so that's the new model. My understanding is the Redskins are next. It's going to be in Alexandria, Virginia. Mike and Phil, y'all both have lived there. Yeah. They're both yeah. Nova people. Uh, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of cool, I think, you know, and for the skins. I mean, they they made a mistake going out to Maryland, I think, and building that monstrosity of a stadium. Uh, it's sad in a way because Washington, D.C. itself is losing because the Nationals Park is in D.C. 
uh, it's losing. I mean, they're everybody's going ever. out of the district. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you know, RFK, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, growing up, I loved watching the R, the games at the RFK, old RFK stadium with the hogs and the, the old RFK and the marching yeah, band yeah, and all that. It, it had charm, but, uh, but I, I think that is the future. These mixed use developments. I, I think university of South Carolina is going to have, uh, some things to say about that here in the near future. Uh, Hopefully, which is great because um, because that's one of the few places that can do it. That's the yeah, benefit right. of having Williams Bryce off campus is that you can build all those condos, which they have, and you still have room to build out. Uh, you could call it the battery or whatever else right there at Williams Bryce, where you could yeah. just I mean you could stay there all day and night if you want to instead of battling traffic to get out of there. Uh, very few very few college football stadiums are set up for that. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, Columbia is a big enough place, I think, to support, you know, that. And, you know, then, then the, the baseball stadiums down near the river, you can support an, an area around that, and Colonial Life is right there in the Vista. That's well, uh, a big hub anyway. So well, you got the Thirsty uh, Fellow, right? The, thirst, what is that called? Thirsty yeah. Fellow. That little, little cheap plug for them. I remember did a game there with Will Perdue. Do you guys remember Will Perdue? Yeah, sure. center for Seven foot the Bulls. Two. And the Bulls, yeah. yeah. Played for the Bulls, some championships there. Played for All-American at Vanderbilt. And this is when Frank was coaching, and we called the game. Come over to the Thirsty Fellow when you guys are done. And we walk in, and, uh, I mean, the place is packed. And, of course, everybody recognizes Frank. And But then there's Will. I mean, you don't know seven foot two unless you stand next to nice seven two. foot two. Yep. <laughs> Uh, it's unreal. And, and Will is just a funny, and the, the stories, my goodness. I mean, I work with Joe Klein from time to time, played for, with Larry Bird and the Celtics, played with Jordan and the Bulls, played with Kobe and the Lakers. You want to talk about a guy with stories. These guys have the best stories. You just, you can't, you can't even, you just sit back and you listen, you drink beer and you say, reel them up, uh, give me five good stories about this, that, and, and they got them. They got them. It's just unbelievable the life that those guys led when playing pro basketball. <laughs> it's fantastic. You're right about the seven foot two thing. I stood next to one person before who was six eleven, and I thought that's not humanly possible, but it is. But you it either is. play basketball at that size or you have an uncomfortable life. True. It's but not true. fun to be seven feet. It really isn't. No. I, don't think I can't get comfortable on a plane, and I'm a foot shorter. Right, right, right. It's <laughs> a good, good point. Um, we do need to step aside for a, a timeout, if that's okay with everybody here. We've been I'm, late on yep. this today. Are that's you it for me. Permanently, okay. I've got to go oh, get right. the. I got to go get the the rings, and hey. uh, yeah. got to get to the post office and mail my mom some stuff for gift bags for the wedding, and mail out some Carolina Rise stuff. So I'm, I've got a, a packed house, but I wanted to catch Mike and want to do the first hour since we got signing day tomorrow and stuff. Cause I miss you guys. Uh, well, we, we, right back. The the love is on this side of the table to quote the bobs in office space. And uh, <laughs> uh, if, if Malik Murphy does commit, you'll come back on and we'll go ahead. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll, come, I'll, I'll, I'll pop back in. All right, fellas. Yeah, I'll see you guys. <laughs> see you guys tomorrow. All right. JC Schubert. <laughs> off. All right. It's uh 12 28, the power hour presented by two men who, are not easy on the eyes in any way, shape, or form. Brian Spencer from Palmetto Medicare and uh, the great Ryan Brewer. More on them and the portal when we return.
Hey folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. and ten glistening once again with candy canes and silver lanes aglow it's beginning to look a lot like christmas toys in every store but the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own front door 
I was just singing along there. 12.32, welcome back inside the Gamecocks the show. It's Power Hour with the golden tones of the great Mike Morgan. Speaking of great, Ryan Brewer was just that, especially in the Outback Bowl, but beyond that, an entire career at Carolina that was pretty great in itself. No doubt about it. And again, with Ryan, it's not just uh, the fencing. That's uh, how I got introduced to Ryan, the businessman, after seeing covering him as a player and then playing uh, pickup basketball with him back at the old uh, Hammond Media League. Uh, those are some classic. If we could get some footage of that, those are some classic games. Uh, Ryan Brewer fence over 15 years of experience. Again, my fence still standing and looking great 15 years later, but he also does uh, the rails, uh, also does columns, other custom-made things that can handle it all. And again, they do the job right the first time. They do it uh, in a timely fashion. We know that you know time is important on these things. Uh, I'm still without my uh, car, thanks to a bad insurance company. Uh, but you will have any type of issues with Ryan Brewer Fence. That's uh, Ryan Brewer uh, .net, and they can take care of all you uh, all of your needs there. There's like no fence, simply no fence. He cannot do. They have done like some. If you go on the website like some remarkable jobs, um, but whether it's something really exquisite or just a good old-fashioned fence that you want for your home and your family, they'll do a terrific job for you. RyanBrewer.net. 12.34. Mike, they say the portal giveth and the portal taketh. Today, the portal giveth LT Overton, defensive tackle who visited South Carolina to they it giveth to Alabama. He's not going to be a Gamecock. But uh, quarterbacks are the story in college football and then ultimately in the NFL. This is long from over, as we all well know. We're only a couple of weeks into this thing. There's still time for dudes to move around, and then you'll have another uh, portal window coming up in a few months. Um, with all of that said, though, do you have a portal winner from the quarterback position thus far? Well, I'm going to talk uh, about this in a little more detail on the Love Chevy driver on the SEC in, in the next hour. I mean, certainly Ole Miss is becoming the SEC portal king overall. If you look at what they've been able to do the last couple of years. And, you know, last year they were grabbing quarterbacks knowing full well Jackson Dart was the leader to be the starter. And they still decided to go. I I mean, they're clearly opening up the checkbook in Oxford. And look, they've got some mojo going. I, I, Lane Kiffin is is he's a good. Uh, uh, he's good. He's popular. I think he I think he's changed the image a little bit of Oxford as this kind of stodgy old stuffy southern town to like this hip, cool small town, but really neat town type of thing. Um, you're you're seeing people wanting to go to Oxford. Uh, you're and uh, but again. I say all that knowing full well, without the funds for NIL, all that can be a completely moot point. Um, I think the biggest one you might notice behind me today, seating 85,000 and with a a college football record consecutive sellouts going back to the 60s, that's Nebraska's football stadium. Uh, They just landed Dylan Riola. You thought what now? Your mic's a little low, Phil. Yeah, that's oh, right here. Hold on, I, yeah, uh, bring it up some. There we are. There we go. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's in Lincoln. Uh, Eighty-five thousand strong. They sell it out, no matter how bad Nebraska football is, and they've been bad. Uh, they haven't had a ten-win season in nine years. They used to think that was the norm over there, but 
Uh, and we know Riola's got some ties with his with his dad uh, to the program, and we know that he committed somewhere else before Georgia. But I think the timing of it, I mean, the moment Carson Beck said he's coming back, Riola was gone. That was the final uh, death blow. Uh, and Georgia fans, you know, for the first time, they're getting a taste of what it's like to be uh, completely ravaged by the portal. And they've lost 15 guys to the portal. Now, I'm not right. saying they're hitting the panic button because they got the number one recruiting class coming in. They've got Carson Beck, who just turned down second-round money uh, to, to play his senior year in Athens. Uh, as we know uh, full too well, Like there are quarterbacks that aren't projected that high that still decide to go for the NFL. So Georgia's going to be fine. Nobody's, But around here, oh my goodness. I mean, I was on the air in Atlanta when the news of uh, Jamon Dumas-Johnson broke, and it's like, oh, that one hurts. That one hurts. A.J. Harris hurts. Vandergriff, they kind of expected. Um, but I think, to answer your question, for Nebraska, they're, I can only imagine how much money his kid's getting. Uh, they're pinning so much of their hopes and goodwill on landing a kid like Riola, uh, a five-star quarterback that everybody wanted. So I would say they're the big quarterback portal winner as of right now. And then you know Malik Murphy is going to be a really good get for for somebody, no question about that. What about Oregon? What about them? Well, I mean, they've added Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, I'm not uh, the biggest Gabriel fan. I just just full disclosure. I mean, I've done a couple of his games. He was terrific at the, in the biggest game of the year, Texas. That was his that was his coming out party. And you know what? The moment he had that game, he regressed after that. He went back to the Dylan Gabriel that I saw both at UCF and Oklahoma, which is a good player, but not a great one. So I, I'm not as high on, on Dylan as probably a lot of other folks. Well, and and now that Dante Moore has committed from UCLA, what does that make that? It's interesting they got both of those transfers, one from Oklahoma and one from UCLA, both to Oregon. Clearly they're yeah. going to have to compete for this thing. Yeah, um, just like Ole Miss did last year. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting room. I, you know, a lot of experience. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I, I mean, and again, sometimes I wonder if if these guys, they're young, if they see the forest from the trees, because I, you know what, a hundred grand. Let's just say it's a hundred grand difference from one school to the next, and that's what that was your final decision. A hundred grand is nice. If somebody knocked on my door and said, "Mike, would you like a hundred grand?" I would gladly take it and offer them a cold beverage, maybe a a shot of some of my best bourbon, and I got plenty of it here. Um, but it's not. You shouldn't make long term decisions based solely on that, especially if you think you're going to be a pro. And if you're going to be a pro, it's hard to be a pro when you're sitting on the bench as a backup. You know, how many how many college quarterbacks that were backups wound up in the pros? Now, we know there are a few. Matt Castle comes to mind. There, there's been a couple, but it, it's very hard to do that. So why, why choose a place where you're going to have to compete as compared to where a lot of these other guys are going? They know the job is essentially theirs. I mean, they, they basically, you know, Blake Shapin, the Mississippi State, they, they know the job is essentially there. And A.J. Swan, LSU, um, that's a little bit different. I don't think the market was as hot for Swan. Um, and he'll get the chance to compete with it, although they got a pretty good backup quarterback already that's going to start in their bowl game since, not surprisingly, Jalen Daniels opted out. 
what about from the loser's side of this? I, I mean, I don't know if there's a – anytime you lose a starting quarterback or a projected starting quarterback and, and you don't replace him, or to this point, like we're having the conversation prematurely. This conversation literally should be probably had in July, but but it's it's early and we're we're going to have it because we're in the thick of it. What like what about Southern Cal? I mean, so huh. Caleb Williams is going to the NFL, yeah. and you're sitting here thinking, all right, well, you know, they signed Malachi Nelson last year to be the, the dude, and and Mike, that's where we are in college football. The dude has all of a sudden decided, yeah, I won't be the dude here. I'm going to be the dude somewhere else. I, 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 I got to use this since you brought it up. Um, there's a, it's a picture of Dave Chappelle with Lincoln Riley over his shoulder. and Chappelle's got kind of an incredulous look on his face. Uh, and it says, Oklahoma fans watching Lincoln Riley, A, lose five of USC's last six regular season games, B, fire former Oklahoma D.C. Alex Grinch. C, have former Oklahoma quarterback Caleb Williams opt out of the bowl game. And D, to your point, Jamie, see ex-Oklahoma wide receiver Mario Williams and five-star OU quarterback commit Malachi Nelson enter the transfer portal. This is something I've been talking about on J.C. and Morgan. Uh, It didn't take long for the love affair of Lincoln Riley to Southern Cal to really uh, just go sour. The, the Oklahoma fans are sitting there going, <laughs> see, I could have told you they don't play defense under Lincoln Riley. And when he was here, we won a lot of games in the Big 12, but we could never get over the hump under Lincoln Riley. Good luck, good riddance. Uh, they are enjoying the hell out of this. Um, but, yeah, I don't. you have to assume Southern Cal's got NIL money. So these are not necessarily money moves. These are moves of, uh, I don't know if this is going the way I thought it would go. I was sold something that this was the, you know, I mean, like I'm going to be very interested in Colorado next year because, you know, Dion's out there still selling that this is, this is great and change. And, you know, he's got the national media on basically politicking for him. They're clearly want Dion to turn into this power program at Colorado uh, but after going four and eight, and not exactly a banner year of coaching moves, if if they don't do much next year, that love affair will will end quickly. You know, you only have a couple years to really make an it, it, with that much hype and pub and everything else. You only have a couple years to show some type of major progress. And in the case of Lincoln Riley, where is it? What what it, what is it that he has done that is so brilliant over there? Other than spend a lot of money, I'll, <laughs> I'll make a projection on Lincoln Riley. He will not get fired at Southern Cal. Okay, He'll get out of there before that happens. Go to the NFL, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's smooth, and you know that, and, and and I mean that respectfully. But he's smart. He knows when it's time to get in and out. And you think about this. There's their 24 schedule. They open with LSU and Vegas, which is still baffling to me that Las Vegas would allow 40,000 LSU fans into town, but they're going to do it. We'll see what's standing when they all leave. Hmm. Um, and then you've got Utah State, and then you got an off week, and then they they got to go to Ann Arbor. Um, and, and so you know, at, look, it's really not a. I wouldn't call it a daunting schedule necessarily, but there are enough games in there that they can certainly lose. And if, you know, I mean, they got to go to Washington. Um, 
UCLA's <laughs> across town in Pasadena. They've got Notre Dame coming to town. Who knows what they'll look like? Um, but then they've got like this, the, you know, a sneaky game at Minnesota. Like they have no business losing that game, Mike, and they probably won't. But it's a different matchup. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh my god, we got beat by Minnesota. You know, there's it's just that type of deal. So here's my point. There's we could look up and there's a there's an eight and four Southern Cal team or a nine and three Southern Cal team. That's not good enough there. And we all know that they didn't bring him in to do that. Um, so I, I don't think he gets fired. I think that he does enough to ease on out of town and goes wherever he needs to go. What what hurts him in the end first off, his NFL stock has taken a bit of a dip. You know, he he there was certainly a, a there was a time where he was definitely hotter, much like Matt Campbell at Iowa State. I thought he was going to take a pro job. He stayed in Ames, and his stock has dipped. And what hurts Lincoln Riley, too, is I don't think people can look at him and not think Cliff Kingsbury. And it didn't work out with Cliff Kingsbury. Not only did he not win a lot in Arizona, he convinced management to take a uh, a five foot nine quarterback and Kyler Murray, who doesn't get along with anybody, is a prima donna and not good enough to be either one. And Kingsbury, Coach Bro, uh, who I covered for a couple games at Texas Tech, it, it was like he just got exposed. And so I think a lot of people look at Lincoln Riley and they say, well, all the things people are saying about Lincoln Riley are the same pe- things people said about Cliff Kingsbury when he was hot. And it didn't exactly work out for Cliff. Why is Lincoln Riley any different? He's not going to overwhelm you with his personality. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, yeah. Did you think, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury kind of poisoned the well when it comes to, yeah, you know, style guys? I think, you know, you're, the NFL looks more at the system runners and program program builders, if you will. I mean, Harbaugh's different. He's got NFL experience, but. You know, like Kirby, you hear Kirby Smart's name come up all over the place. And I would think a Kirby type, you know, system guy is more apt to get more look at the NFL level. Here's the list of college guys who got pro jobs based on they were brilliant offensive minds. Spurrier didn't work in Washington. Pains me to say that, but it just didn't work in Washington. Um, Kingsbury didn't work. Um, who the other guys? I uh, just had him on the tip of my tongue. Well, we just had one come out of LSU, Joe Brady, but he wasn't a head coach. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, he wasn't a head coach. Kelly, what's that? Uh, Kelly, Chip Kelly, Chip. Thank you. That's the one I was thinking. Chip Kelly. Oh, I uh, want to say that didn't did, work though. It wasn't a complete failure, and quite frankly, you know, you had a couple of, of players try to throw him under the bus. Well, they didn't try; they did to help him get fired. Uh, but, it, but long story short, is the long game. It 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 wasn't a huge success. So, so the the two guys that come to mind when I think of college coaches that did work in the NFL: Pete Carroll, defensive minded guy; Jimmy Johnson, defensive minded guy. And the strength of those two guys was not just that it was their personality it was they could they could go into an NFL locker room and they weren't going to be intimidated and you knew who was boss uh and they also just they they just had a and they also knew talent like Jimmy built those cowboy teams it wasn't Jerry Jones Jimmy Johnson built those with an incredible job drafting and making trades and I think Pete Carroll for a while had that magic touch too he he had a good idea of what worked and what didn't. 
The rest of those guys that I mentioned, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some that w- coached in college and were a hot name and went to the NFL, it didn't work. So I, I think it's Urban. a lot easier to go from I the NFL to college Urban. and work than the other way around. I thought Urban worked, didn't he? Or no? no yeah, <laughs> there's another one. I mean, Urban certainly didn't work. Not even, uh, not even remotely close. Not even remotely close. Um, but you know, all those guys, they gotta, they gotta get it out of their system. They gotta get a taste of it. I mean, uh, Saban had his what was that? Oh five, oh oh four, oh five. It was two six. years. Uh, either oh four, oh five, or oh five, oh six. And from what I understand, people that I know uh, that were around there in that time in Miami, uh, Nick rubbed everybody the wrong way. I think he felt he had to be a certain way to you know show everybody who's boss. That did not go over well, and it just it, it failed. It just it more often than not it fails and fails miserably. So think of the best coaches right now. And yeah, to go I, back to the Kirby Smart thing, somebody that. somebody asked me about Kirby earlier. Yeah. Kirby's not leaving Georgia for the NFL anytime no. soon. No, you know that that's not that's not happening. Like, yeah, yeah, wishful thinking on you know. Atlanta fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm not even sure if it would work. And I, I have massive respect for, for Kirby, but I don't know if that would go over. Remember now, in the NFL, you don't get to get the top five recruiting classes every year and co- go with the most talented. Raw. It doesn't work that way in the NFL. In the NFL, the system is designed to have parity. And if you're really good, you get the last pick in the first round, the second round, the third round, the fourth round. And everybody's got a salary cap. I mean, if there was a true salary cap in NIL and and the way we – then all of a sudden you would strip away some of the power and the dominance of Georgia and Alabama and Michigan, and it'd be a more level playing field. But we're not going to do that anytime soon. How about this one? Here's an interesting one. Again, we're off on some different topics today, but this is fun to even to, – to have. you know, it's – Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Um, <laughs> had Jim Harbaugh stayed in the NFL – what do you think his tenure would have looked like? Because I, I, I look, he those first three years were phenomenal. He beaten two title games and got beaten the Super Bowl, and then that fourth year he went five hundred. I think it was eight and eight or somewhere in there. Yeah, he had to be eight and eight because it was sixteen game season. And then, the, and then he, he, you know, getting fired basically moves moves on to Michigan. Had he stayed in the NFL, I wonder what his tenure would look like. Because overall, I mean, I know it didn't. Eight and eight is not. I think what was he his first year like fourteen and two or something like that. Yeah. So it gradually got worse. I don't know what the reasons are. What do you think about that? I mean, I look. That's that is the one rumor out there that I do take seriously is Jim Harbaugh leaving for another trip to the NFL, and people would hire him, and I think I think he would do a solid job. Like I think he's he's cut for the NFL and college. I think Jim is versatile enough to do both. So, I mean, do I think he just goes into the NFL and, like, if he took over the Panthers, you're still looking at a roster that's not going to win a lot of games. But if he took over, uh, you know, for a while there, the rumor was the Detroit Lions, and they've got a quarterback, and they've got big-time receivers and tight ends, and, yeah, he would be just fine there. Is he going to win a bunch of Super Bowls? I don't know. But he could certainly hold a job in the NFL. I don't know. If you you want to be a coach in the NFL, I don't know why you go to Carolina. That place is a disaster. That question was brought up to somebody, I forget, the other day. And the short answer is is a simple one. Like Matt Rule, who is now coaching Nebraska, 
He went in there. It did not go well. And like everybody else that has a job there, gets fired. Um, but he walked away with a lot of money. I mean, the Teppers have a lot of money. And so even if it fails, even if it doesn't work, you are set for life. That's just the kind of opportunity that none of us know in any other profession, right? So if it doesn't work, you walk away with a big fat check and you take a job in college football again, just the way Matt Rule did. That's a good point. And, and it's crazy to think about because I I am one that loves going to games in Charlotte. Like I, I love the ballpark. I uh, love the setup of the ballpark. Mm-hmm. I think they've done a fantastic job with it. I know they've talked about renovating this, that, and the other. I mean, everybody always wants to renovate, but um, Charlotte has a great setup for that franchise, that organization, and they just they just can't figure it out. I mean, it's been crazy. It's, it's even crazier to think they had a year where they went 15-1 and one with your boy Cam. Aren't y'all good old drinking buddies or something like that? Isn't that what I heard? No, I no. I mean, I interviewed him a bunch. I'll tell you a quick, quick funny story. Uh, when I was doing um, a, a regular show on 790 The Zone here in Atlanta, the now defunct 790, yeah, uh, cuddle around, kids. Grab some marshmallows. Um, my, my, I, always, I always forget we have that photo. Like, I Oh, never, it's always never, on the ready. Always on the ready. And oh, yeah, yeah. I, I keep it in the studio. It never leaves the studio. It's always ready. <laughs> Phil's got it in his back pocket for any such occasion. So so my producer happened to be a guy who I who I hired in Columbia by a guy by the name of Keith Allen, who now works for CNN. But he was he I he came up to me one day and he he was like a young Phil Molinax, just wet behind the ear but but ambitious and wanted to uh, be involved and and so I I said yeah you know I'm about to go to this other uh, station in Columbia and you'll be our producer and he was then he wound up leaving uh, to produce the Kirk Herbstreet show in Columbus Ohio mm-hmm. and then came down to Atlanta and so we got reunited when I went to Atlanta so the great thing about the the shows here is mean, you, you've got some producers and and you know that's their full time job and it's like okay I got this guest that guest this guest and we're gonna do okay great great. So one day he says, hey, Mike, um, uh, I'm driving to the, to the studio. He goes, I got Cam Newton for us in studio for an hour. And I said, really? That's great. How would that happen? Now, of course, he's from Atlanta, but he's still playing for the Panthers. This was right before the MVP year. And Cam was – Cam's got a fascinating career. Started off like gangbusters as a rookie, then started to dip, erratic as a passer, freak of nature as a runner, then had the MVP year, and then went back to just being Cam. Um, and so I knew there was a little bit of image protection going on. People are starting to, to knock Cam. He doesn't work hard. He's, he's not all in, blah, 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 blah. So I knew what they were doing. And then Keith hits me with this. Oh, by the way, his dad's going to be on too. I said, what? I don't want to interview his dad. He said, yeah, well, I already said yes. I said, why did you say yes to having his dad? What am I going to ask his dad? I'm not asking his dad a damn thing. Well, he's going to be in studio for an hour with Cam. All right, fine. I'm just asking Cam questions, and then Dad can do whatever he wants. And I'm sitting there, and I'm asking questions, and Cam, after every question, would look to his left, check with his dad. Okay, and that would, then would give his answer. And every now and then, Cam's dad, when he felt like the interview wasn't going quite the way he wanted, he would chime in and say something. And I'm just like, what is? what are we doing here? But I will say this. Cam 
was engaging. He was friendly. He was kind. That's why I don't say anything bad about Cam personally. He's a different dude, and his career is what it is. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I think that's ridiculous, but some people push for that. But it was a very interesting interview. I just didn't necessarily need Mr. Newton to be part of the interview, but he was. That's strange. Strange, bizarre. I've never interviewed a, a pro athlete with his dad in there handling questions and checking in on everything. It was, it was a little weird. I w- I, I'll, I'll say this. I only got to see it once, twice, twice in person in Atlanta and on the Plains of Auburn in 2010. But I had never seen a more dynamic player in person Yeah, who could change everything like he could. He was a physical freak. If he had the certain characteristics of some other quarterbacks to go along with that physical skill set, he could have been, forget about Hall of Fame good, he could have been one of the best ever. But he didn't. He had he had a lot of tools, but there was a little nuclelution there. To use a Bull Durham metaphor, yeah, well, which I well, figure I know you got that, Jamie, but I don't know if everybody else got it. Dynamite drop in money that broadcasting school shirt pay off. <laughs> End of the hour. We'll be right back. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cold Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast. The char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer, just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the Low Country or even in the Midlands, please contact me. 
JB with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Touchdown, Brewer. Set up the screen, and it goes to Brewer. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Brewer. His second of the day. Pitches it to Brewer. Turns to Cody. Touchdown, number three of the afternoon. Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job just as he does for everybody else. Whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience, and service second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured, your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise, and it's done on time, and they do it right the first time. Again, you're not going to do any better than Ryan Brewer, Ryan Brewer Fence. The website is ryanbrewer.net. Set up an appointment today. Tell them Mike sent you. Final hour inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome back on a cold Tuesday afternoon here. From the I'm from the Low Country of South Carolina, Mike Morgan in Atlanta, and of course there he is, Mad Dog Mullinax in the Upstate, where we also know that it's pretty cold up there after a disaster of a weekend when it came to rain and wind and all that type of stuff. Uh, here until two o'clock, JC. We'll be back tomorrow, which is National Signing Day, powered on our program by. Our friends at Electric Bikes of Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com to ride up to 28 miles per hour for 60 miles, electricbikescharleston.com. You do not have to be in the low country to purchase one of those incredible, incredible bikes over in Mount Pleasant. Um, 
we've got our driver on the SEC coming up, certainly. Uh, tomorrow, again, with signing day, there will be some movement. But, Mike, do, do you feel like – take yourself back. You were on the radio in the heyday of National Signing Day. It was a, it was an event. I mean, mm. we we Huge. knew what the mornings were. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy, right? Your coaches were waiting on the fax machine to ring all morning, and then, and then you know, is this guy going to flip? Is that guy going to flip? Or whatever it is. And then now, fast forward to twenty twenty three. You have two signing days. You got the early period, and then you got the late period coming up in uh, in February. What do you make of it? Well, I, I think back, I know you guys had, I caught some of the interview. I was traveling, um, the Cornblued interview you had, which was outstanding. Um, and I've known Phil for a long time, and I know how how the recruiting game has changed for people like him that were really some of the pioneers in covering it. Uh, another guy that I know very well, uh, Bill King, who we had on J.C. and Morgan, who is in Nashville but has covered you know, Tennessee football for years. And he was one of the pioneers in following recruiting when just nobody else did. Um, and, and I remember like that was, if you were doing a daily talk show in the South mm-hmm. and you didn't cover the visits in January, cause every kid gets five. So, okay, this is a big weekend. This is a big week. This is who's coming this week. And this is who's not. <clears throat> and if you didn't cover national signing day, then you know you were you were out of your league, son. Like this, this matters. Now we had a guy uh, like that at ESPN in Charleston. Just so you know, <laughs> he replaced me when for every, whatever reason they thought I wasn't. <laughs> oh, by the way, he's not there. Anymore. He's not there anymore either. Solid, yeah, solid right. leadership over there, man. That guy's really killing it. Well, look at him now, and look at you. That's a good yeah, point. Right. It all seems to work out. Karma. One thing I've learned in this business, karma can be karma can be a real big B for people that don't treat people right. Um, there's there's no question about it. So we can just we can kind of leave that there, and people can see how it all uh, unfolded. <laughs> yeah, um, but now in recruiting, the second signing period, it's like it's like if you went to a Bill Burr concert. And you you laughed your tail off for an hour and a half, and they said, "Oh, by the way, after Bill's done, we'll have a twenty minute intermission, and Carrot Top will uh, get out his suitcase and do some uh, some props for another twenty minutes if you want to stay." Well, everybody's going to go to the, their car and go home at that point. Uh, the the second signing day, you know, like ninety percent of the top recruits have already signed, and then the portal has already basically been ravaged. So what's left over? So now it's like that that period in February. It's like, oh yeah, okay, it's nice. Uh, and ESPN, you will do a whole you know eight hour show on it, and they'll get like my guy Lugan Bill and whatnot to break it down. But basically, the really big recruiting signing day is tomorrow. That's the one. And uh, on simultaneous to that, as if we didn't have enough going on, you've got the portal, and you've got all these major names in the portal. Some have committed, some haven't. And so I'll just say this as it pertains to to South Carolina, to be able to come off the year that Shane did, get a top 20 national recruiting class, get a top 10 portal class, that's getting it done, man. I mean, that is absolutely getting it done. So, you know, kudos to that coaching staff for being able – and I know that didn't just happen like in the last few weeks. That goes – those relationships, those phone calls, those – 
that that is something that you build over time but but yeah um that was that's fantastic yeah. to be able to do that yeah you 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 you're pretty good at this as you can tell guys this is this is the real pro that's why we're all here um yeah i i shane i i do when you put it that way it does calm the nerves a little bit and i think it it puts things um into perspective because you know if you go back well still less than a month but pretty much about a month the general merit narrative in the fan base is that all these certain coaches need to be fired and uh, that they need to get this guy and they need to get that guy and you know beamer has to win at least seven games you know it's all it's all negatives and demands right and then when you stop and take a look at how you build a football program which is with players um you know they're they're adding talent matter of fact the ranking you mentioned top 20 from the high school juca well the signing class i was put it that way they're 18th but they're 13th when it comes to the average player rating uh so they they had the 13th best average player rating in the country uh for uh, from 24 7 sports rankings at least and then the the transfer portal class yeah right now it's second in the sec to old miss and uh, I think six, maybe nationally. Um, so we'll see what happens with the coaching staff and all that. I, I'm pretty sure there still will be some changes, Mike. But but at the end of the day, coming off of a five and seven season the way that they did, the Gamecocks, and being in a position to add all of that talent before you even turn the page into 2024, I, I, I'd say that's probably a, a success for for Shane. I I don't think there's any question about it. I I, I mean. Um, and look, the, the one thing that stands out beyond X's and O's with Shane is that he has uh, that it factor in terms of a personality that young men do gravitate toward. Like Shane's not going to lose guys because they just find him to be disagree, find him to be uh, disagreeable and it's kind of past his prime and just, you know, not a coach that really cares about a young man. I, I think he has all those skills and I think that's what helps in recruiting now we all know winning really helps too and a lot of the success in this year's class I still think has to do with the two wins to end last year uh, which was Tennessee and Clemson I'm talking about 2022 Um, but obviously you want to have a successful 2024 to continue that recruiting momentum to continue that portal momentum to let everybody know that yeah things are going in the right direction here what all right, so we haven't actually spoken to you since the twenty four schedule was officially released for the SEC, which was mm-hmm. last week. I think you were Monday, Tuesday last week and that came out I was, yeah. Wednesday, I believe it was. Uh the Gamecocks, much like every other team in the league, I mean it's it you, first of all, with the portal, you don't ever know who's going to have a, a good year, a great year, or a bad year. I mean, it, it changes quicker than ever. It is harder than ever to predict which teams are good and which teams are going to be bad. Naturally, you look at South Carolina's schedule, it's very easy to circle the three that you say, oh, my gosh, you know, Ole Miss coming to town, then at Alabama and at Oklahoma. But that's not to say that the next three couldn't be almost just as difficult with who knows what A&M shows up with. Missouri's adding talent day in and day out, Mike. I mean, who knows what the Tigers walk into williams Bryce on November 16 with uh, – 
next year. Who knows at the beginning of the year what Kentucky looks like. By the way, Carolina's beaten them twice. They've got a target on their back now. And then LSU comes to town. Every team in the league has a stretch where it's that quote-unquote season-defining stretch as we see it here in December of 2023. So I'm prepping all of that to ask this question. Is What is more important for the future of Gamecock football right now when it comes to signing players? The portal? or the class, the high school class? What do you think is more important for the future of the program, not for the future necessarily of 2024? What's the record going to be? Well, of course, probably the poor. What is more important for the program under Shane Beamer? Well, I mean, you know, the obvious answer is you want both, but if, if if you put it that way, I think like Georgia and Alabama, they'll use the portal, but they don't have to. Georgia hasn't picked up anybody in the portal. They've lost 15 guys. Do you know they have not picked up a soul in the portal? Um, Alabama got Jermaine Burton from Georgia in the portal, and Jermaine Burton wound up hurting Georgia in the, just to kind of rub a little salt in the wounds. But but those programs and Michigan, like they don't have to do much in the portal. They're gonna they're gonna perennially recruit on an elite basis. That's never been South Carolina. That's never been Tennessee. That's never been Ole Miss. That's never been most of the teams in college football. So I think the portal is somewhere you have to be active. You have to you can't just rely on recruiting alone. You you have to be able to be active in the portal. And so I would give a slight edge to that, but you can't just live on that and neglect uh your recruiting class. I mean you still have to build a foundation somewhere. You can't just rely on a bunch of journeymen coming in uh, some of which are coming based solely on dollars and cents that don't necessarily love your program. You, you, you've got to find guys that are 17 years old that really want to be Gamecocks. I, I still think that's essential uh, if you want the right culture in your program. But make no mistake about it, unless you're one of those top-notch programs that you can set your watch to the fact that you're going to have a top-10 recruiting class every year, yeah, you've, you've got to be active in the portal. Well, look yeah. at Ole Miss. Look at Ole Miss. Look at all this and what they've done. I mean, that's yeah. how they've gotten here, right? Yeah, and the that's- other side of that is you, you, the portal has to be viewed from like a, a holistic perspective. It has to be a net. Did you net gain or net loss? Because I mean, you could lose like you know, let's say Georgia pulls two five stars out of the port, you know, brings two five stars in from the portal, but they've lost sixteen, you know, <laughs> five and four stars. Then yeah, sure, you you've got a top five portal recruiting class with only two recruits in it but you know what did you lose to get that (laughs) yeah well and again they can they can solidify their roster with a bunch of five stars every year in their recruiting so if they if they lose guys in the portal and from what you know the the one that i think i mentioned is uh his name already the linebacker jamon um that's the one they're really just kind of, you know, burnt over, if you will. But for the most part, like you don't want to lose a bunch of four or five star guys. But you, you'll be okay if you're Georgia. Like you're, you're not, you're just not worried about that. I've said this before. People are missing the boat on why Dabo and Clemson have taken a dip. It's not, it's not entirely based on a stubbornness to be in the portal. It's that they haven't recruited at the level that they did before. When you get Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, those weren't transfers; those were those were generational quarterbacks for that program 
that were the focal point of two national championships. Uh, if you could keep recruiting like that and then keep recruiting DeAndre Hopkins at one wideout and uh, take your pick, I mean, they had several four- or five-star wideouts, and not to mention first-round uh, defensive linemen. None of those kids were out of the portal. So people people are wanting to, to bang on Dabo for that because a lot of people nationally hate Dabo and what he stands for. I, I get it. Um, but the, the true reason why Clemson has dipped is their recruiting has dipped. Not the portal. They're recruiting. They haven't recruited another, you know, DJ Uga Ulele. I know I botched that, but I'm a little rusty on his name since he went out west. <laughs> DJ, DJ DJ was supposed yeah. to be that next guy, but he flopped. He flopped. And then he did well at Oregon State. Now he's probably going to do well somewhere else. Um, their wideouts, they're, they're okay, but they're not great. Their defensive line not as many studs as they had. Uh, so I, I think actually the bigger issue there is just recruiting in general. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but the in-state kids this year, that was dominated by South Carolina, not Clemson. No, that's Dabo's folly, Mike, is that, you know, I would take what you just said a step further and say once they realized they could draw from a national footprint, they completely – turn their back on in-state recruiting and allowed South Carolina to go in there and pull the top recruits from the state, which, I mean, if you look at both of these programs rise to whatever their respective peaks are, uh, record-wise has been on the back of pulling and maintaining, you know, the inside kids that are top tier and not letting them get away. Yeah, and well, that's and what he, I think Clemson really, you know, kind of screwed the pooch on is that Dabo just turned his back on it and said, "Hey, we can go national. We don't need these guys in South Carolina." Well, in the elite quarterback, like that's that's what that's what made they. So I, I I will I'll go to the grave with this. I don't disagree with anything he said, but I'll go to the grave with this. As good as all the skill guys have been for the Tigers over the years. The reason that they did what they did was because they had generational quarterbacks back-to-back and they were elite in the trenches. The rest of it took care of itself. And wide receiver. And wide receiver. Because in today's day and age, um, you look at the teams that are playing for national championships, they got first-round wideouts. Most of them have multiple. Most of them. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think some of those guys, too, can be made in a a program. Sure, Leggett was. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, just think like if South Carolina had the Clemson defensive line, what they call themselves, the Smurfs or something like that a few years ago? Because the they were what, or... undersized? No, they, they called themselves one of those. The Smurfs was the old Redskins uh, wide receiving group. <laughs> no, they called themselves something. It was some type of like kids show. I can't Bro, remember. Power, Power Rangers. Rangers. Power Rangers, Power Rangers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a big whatever. But but they but those guys were really good, and 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 their Whatever. offensive line was really good. the hell with it. So like if, if you were if you were Rattler and you had that offensive line and that defensive line, the rest of it just kind of takes care of itself. You know what I mean? Like you can you can make Xavier Leggett, you can make Juice Wells. You I mean yeah, those guys well, are be talented, but like you can't, you can't make a four four three nine four four one forty. But I understand what you're saying, right? Yeah, like you can you can find the next 
dude who's going to be a dude. And yeah, you're to your point. I mean, I, I don't want to misconstrue these two. Like, I don't. You can't create speed that doesn't exist. I I get like that, if you but, got wide receivers who can't separate, and Carolina's had several over the years. Uh, you can have the best offensive line in football. You're still going to have some issues in your passing game. Yeah, right. And when 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 Wells went down, I said this a number of times. Leggett was the only guy on the field that opposing defenses were really worried about, and so I can neutralize that and take my chances with everybody else. And that's predominantly what opposing defensive coordinators did for much of the season against Carolina, especially once they realized, holy crap, this Leggett kid is unbelievable. We got to do something about that. Cheat a safety over. Bracket him. Uh, let this other guy beat us. Let them with their undersized tailback. Let him do some damage. But we're not going to let seventeen just run wild and get two hundred receiving yards and three touchdowns. The hope for the future is real for for the Gamecocks. Coming off of that conversation, just that conversation right there, because. They have recruited the trenches, and um, right now sitting at number 18, they've got one of the best defensive ends in uh, the country. They have finally got some butt and gut at the tackle spot. Jerome Simmons, who has uh, committed uh, – I stole that from Langston and Preston. I, I, just I like that. As much as I can. Uh, Cam Pringle and Josiah Thompson, two of the top tackles in the country. Blake Frank. So, like that – if you go back to the Spurrier years, when they were signing those guys is when they became what they became. Winning the East, which that's about to go bye-bye. And then winning 11 games, you, you you had great players, but you had to be good up front. And those guys were, were difference makers. Carolina beginning to to make some inroads on that once again from, the, from both sides of this, the portal and the high school side. Jamie, I 1,000% agree with everything you just said. I will say this because um, you mentioned what, what it was like covering recruiting. I mean, like I remember doing remotes uh, outside the stadium when all those guys – you know, the Gilmores, the Clownies, et cetera, et cetera, Jeffries were all signed. It was the perfect storm of a lot of things. Uh, Steve Spurrier is a Hall of Fame coach, and I've got nothing but mad respect for the old ball coach. And I don't know if you'll ever have another one in Columbia because I think he's, I mean, he's a unicorn in college football. The guy truly was an innovator. But the perfect storm you had a situation where you had some really good pipelines in the Rock Hill. Uh, you were not going to lose out on any elite player out of Rock Hill, South Carolina, even though technically I'm pretty sure that's well, – is that closer to Clemson or not? I don't know. I have to get no, back. No. It's, it's not. You're right. It's closer. I mean, I should know this. I made a million trips there. But anyway, um, but you weren't going to lose those, those Rock Hill kids, and they got all of them. And they just happened to be a, a, a year or two span – where you had all of these NFL caliber players in that area and beyond that all looked at what South Carolina was Spurrier and looked at Clemson uh, with a young, unproven Dabo Sweeney and said, I'll choose Columbia. And combine that with Garcia and combine that with an over, drastically overachieving, and I mean this as a compliment, uh, Connor Shaw, and you add all that up, and if we're going to be completely honest, the East was not very good. It just wasn't. Um, like you said, it's going to be a moot point anyway because we're getting rid of divisions. But the perfect storm of things happened for that four-year span to work out the way it did. Uh, so I don't know if it's going to be the perfect storm again. In other words, you might get a bunch of great linemen, but are you going to have 
two years from now when we're doing this show, and by then we'll probably have 100,000 people tuning in every day, uh, are we going to be looking at a, a Gamecock offense that, A, has an all-SEC-type quarterback, okay? As good as Spencer was, he wasn't all-SEC for a reason. He's not quite the level of some of the other guys that played this year, and, of course, he had no offensive line. Are, B, are, are we going to be talking about wide receivers that are like an Alshon Jeffrey, uh, that, that are that, that type of talent, which we haven't seen a, a ton of? Um, you know, are we going to see, see – are we going to have a defense that is so nasty that nobody wants any part of it on all three levels? D-line, linebacker, secondary. You look at those defenses, there wasn't there wasn't a weak spot, right? I mean, there if you want to you want a linebacker, I'll give you Melvin Ingram. You want a lineman, I'll give you Clowney. You want a secondary guy, I'll give you Gilmore. It was the perfect storm. All those guys were not just really good gamecocks. They were elite SCC all-conference players with NFL track records. Can you make that happen again? Can you make it happen across the board? Because that's what it takes to get to the playoff. You can't just be really good at one facet of the game. You got to be. You got to be really talented everywhere. Or you got to be like Missouri. That I don't know if Missouri has a bunch of NFL talent, but they had an incredible running back story that came from D two and Schrader that nobody could stop. Led the league in rushing. They had a quarterback who was booed at home in the early part of the season and then all of a sudden turned into a really good, quote-unquote, game manager who made just enough plays. You have Burden, who is an NFL talent at wide receiver. And on defense, I mean, how many of us can name more than, like, two players on Missouri's defense? But they were good enough. They were good enough to win 10 games in the SEC. They're kind of the, the exception to the rule. Those other ones, talent all over the place. Uh, and again, you don't have to be Alabama, Georgia, cause you're probably not going to be, but you can be that next level and get into a playoff like Ole Miss would have done this year. If we had a 12 team playoff, so would Missouri for that matter. That's absolutely it's a, you're, I know you're I just gave off a, a whole ball of yarn there and I apologize, but you no, had no, 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 because I, um, I, I like, there's a thousand different, and I, we got to hit a break here, but like, there's a. There's a thousand different directions. Like having this conversation is so unique because of how much has changed and how much is changing. Hundred like percent. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you've got yeah. you have you have a you have a, a college football playoff that's coming in that is uh, going to provide uh, teams like South Carolina who are trying to get to where I would say where Ole Miss is right now, um, and they were there. They were there. Uh, you know, Missouri is kind of maybe maybe Missouri's getting there. You know, they've they've got a chance, as you just kind of pointed out. But like back in the 2000s, 11, 12, 13, with what the Gamecocks did, like there's always that team that is able to rise out of the middle class and enjoy the upper class for a little while, and then they slide back down. That's, that's right. Just what, that's what Which happened. Is what happened to Missouri? Happened to Kentucky? Like, yeah, yep, yeah. I mean, most programs aren't built to stay yeah. there. The high watermark yeah. is called the high watermark for a reason. It's because there's only a handful of teams in college football that can stay there for a long amount of time. Right, exactly. And and you wonder with the portal now, in, in addition to all the signing stuff, clearly, but, uh, but you wonder with the portal and the expanded playoff, and as your friend Tim Brando said, it potentially could go to 16. You know, does it stretch that upper middle class? And, it, and if it does... What does that do for the future of whatever league it stretches it out of? In this case, it'd be the SEC. So, do you go from Georgia 
and Alabama every year, and then a revolving door of what? Who is it? LSU, A and M, maybe I don't know. A I don't even want to put them there yet. But LSU, LSU. Auburn, Tennessee. Yeah. Okay, maybe does, does that does that give you? Do you get one more? Do you get two more? Does South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri, or do they keep fighting for that spot? You see what I'm saying here? Like, do we all absolutely? Of a a quote, a quote unquote upper class of four or five teams, or do we have four and then two that rotate in and out every year? It should be fascinating to watch. I, I, I think so too. Look, I think the 12 team playoff is good for everybody. It's certainly good for a program like South Carolina. Getting rid of divisions, not so much. Um, <laughs> as I've brought up before, it, it, there are going to be times where it's disheartening where you're like, yeah, we won eight games. And then you look at the standings one through right. 16, and you're like, ninth place. Like, wait, wait a minute, I thought we had a good year. But the standings don't say, well, because you don't have divisions anymore. So the, the party is over. You don't play Vanderbilt every year. You don't play in what has clearly been the weaker division over the last 20 years. Hadn't even been close, the East compared to the West. And I'll just say one thing before we're going to take a timeout. Um, some interesting conversation in chat row. I glance at it every now and then. Sometimes I, I have to focus on other things. For the Eli Drinkwitz crowd that, that think that uh, Eli is a superior coach, that fan base wanted Eli fired this year. Okay, if you were to have a referendum, Missouri fans would have fired him before the season even started. Pump the brakes a little bit. I like Eli, but it was the breakout year. Um, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that you know Eli's on top of the world right now. So you, 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 it's so easy to jump on that bandwagon. Like somebody, one program has a breakout year, and their coach gets the credit, and justifiably so. Like I said, high watermark. Really hard to keep up with that high watermark. Let's see what Missouri is in 2024 and 2025 before we start handing out the bouquets. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. He was. He was. He had a losing record coming into the year. I mean, yeah. the one thing you I give Missouri credit for is they commit. They've signed him to an extension. So they have committed to him, sending the signal of we have committed to this coach, which allows him to go recruit and sign players. That's right. That yeah. probably has to do with some of some of what they're able to do. But, I mean, because Carolina finished 5-7 and seven and they finished 10-2 and two and all of a sudden Eli Drinkwitz should be in Columbia, to me, it's just, just – an No, that's insanity talk. And, and look, at, yeah. look at what he did his first few years there. And yeah. tell, me, tell me if you were saying that you'd love to have Eli Drinkwitz – in 2021, 2022, if, if, if South Carolina hired him with his resume being what it was, you would have ripped the AD for hiring him. And then like Missouri fans, the last couple of years, you would have been saying, we need to fire this guy. He's clearly out of his league. That's the talk. I mean, I go to Missouri every year and I can tell you there was a lot of people on talk radio and everywhere else are like, this guy clearly is, he should be coaching in the FCS or at App State, but he, this is not an SEC coach. Well, then all of a sudden, uh, the perfect storm, a walk-on Division II running back leads the SEC in rushing. And that really was their best player. Like, Burden's the NFL guy, but their best player was Schrader. Nobody stopped that kid all year long, right? And then Cook, who, like I said, the fans booed, booed like he was Dondrell Pinkins, um, but this kid could actually throw a spiral. Sorry, Dondrell, I love you, but um, but they 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 didn't want him. They didn't want Eli. Like they, their their morale was not good in Como. Then all of a sudden you win ten games. And it's like okay, great. But I wouldn't sit there and like envy 
envy not having Eli Drinkwitz. That's that's a little much. And no, and I think the the kind of books out on Eli anyway. I mean, he brought in that new offensive coordinator and you know started calling plays and took the play calling duties off of his plate. Uh, that's a key thing, Phil. Yeah, Glad you yeah, mentioned it. Yeah, it got it got to the point, and yeah, they yeah, I don't know. We'll see which right now happens. is going on in Gainesville, by the way. The fans right. are are saying, if Billy Napier, if you don't stop calling plays, you're you're writing your own ticket to the grave, which he might be doing anyway. But but Eli, the reason he got the job in the first place, he was known as a good play caller. Uh, his idol, by the way, is Steve Spurrier. Just a just a side thought. Yeah, really. Um, and it wasn't working. So he had to bring in an offensive coordinator this year. So, so again, yes, um, Jonathan, like, agree to disagree. Like, I, I'm all for a difference in opinions. Like, I, I, one thing you'll never hear me do is, like, just insult people because you disagree. Uh, and, again, I like Eli. I've, I've interviewed him a number of times. I've done Missouri games. He's fantastic. So he's actually the kind of coach that I root for. He never played college ball. He's kind of got a nerdy look about him. He would tell you that. Um but based on one year of success, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that like he's the best thing since sliced bread. He gave up his play calling to an OC that actually did quite well. He struck gold with a walk-on D2 running back, and he stayed with a quarterback that the fans wanted benched. These are very unusual things that happened in Como this year to win 10 games. We'll see if they're able to do it again next year. I know we got a timeout. I'll add this, too. Uh, overall, saying their staff has been out coaching the Gamecocks with less talent. 2021, they had a uh, GA starting at quarterback. Uh, not a whole lot less talent out there than that. And somehow they went to a bowl game. Um, yeah. So by virtue of <laughs> being right. Auburn and Florida in November, right? You know, I, I, I mean, look, Carolina finishing five and seven. Some of you have fallen literally and hit your head on something that I don't, I, I, I would prefer to never find out what it is. I mean, I get it. I understand the frustration, and I understand that everybody's going to disagree. Um, but uh, going through the gauntlet that they went through with all the injuries and all the problems that they had and things just happened to kind of work out perfectly this year for Missouri, and all of a sudden Eli Drinkwitz is the savior to all mankind in football, that is absolutely insane. We'll see. Well, I'm not saying that he won't end up being great. I'm yeah. not saying that. But, like, after right. just one year of this – we're jumping the gun to, to, to start having this. Well, you know what this is about. This is about the losing streak to Missouri. That's what right. this is about. That's exactly so, what it is. Yeah. you know, if, if Carolina had beaten Mizzou three years in a row, nobody would say that, even I, with I a five think, and seven. I think record. Mark Stoops is a better football coach than, than Shane Beamer, and Beamer's beaten him the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. The whole thing. <laughs> okay. Again, so, personnel. I mean, Missouri had an offensive line that could block. There's yeah. just not a whole lot of plays you can call and things you can do when you've got the worst offensive line in the SEC. I, I mean, that is what it is. Like, and you and you could say, well, that's their job to make sure they've got the players. That, I agree. I agree. Like that should never happen again. You should. You, two things should never happen again. You should never wind up with an offensive line that bad again, and you should never have a situation where you don't have multiple backs in the stable that are SEC quality. Never. There, there's too many good running backs in the country, and you're an SEC school, you should never have that situation again. By the way, when we come back with the Love Chevy driver on the SEC, I've got a really good Rocket Sanders stat that I think mm. people will appreciate. Mm. 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 Juicy. Fantastic. Juicy. Jonathan, like at year That's three, good. Drink has turned it program around in hours. At year three, Drink was six and seven. At year three for Shane Beamer, 
five and seven following eight and five. Uh, two winning seasons. Drinkwitz did not have one in his first three years at South Carolina. So not a fair comparison. All right, yeah, uh, we got to hit a timeout. Yeah, got to get the facts right before we start spitting, <laughs> spitting out fireballs around here. All right, um, can't be a year four conversation. Shane's only been here for three years. So once again, got to go back to the facts. Got to go back to the facts, right? All right, got to hit a uh, timeout. Drive around the SEC. A love Chevy drive around the SEC when we return. Hey, Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take Tailgating. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online, or you can even download the app. Salsaritas is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving williams Price Stadium and the South Stands, also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number, make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for sandwiches. Which is every time 803-543-6297. 803-543-6297. Shop Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season. Major discounts on treadmills, rowers, elliptigos, and more. Proud partners of Carolina Rise inside the Gamecocks and the Chief Sports Network. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. 843-388-0999. Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. 
But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy installation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game packs. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let yourself be light From now on Our troubles will be out of sight Have yourself a merry little Christmas Make the yuletide gay From now on Our troubles will be miles away Here we are, as in olden days, happy golden days of yore. Faithful friends who are dear to us, gather near to us once more. Through the years we all will be together, if the fates allow Until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. So have yourself a merry little Christmas now. It's now time to take a drive around the SEC. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. No hassles, no all-day runarounds, no ridiculous add-on stickers. At Love Chevy, buying a car is fun. South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Find new roads. Yeah, it is time for the Love Chevy drive around the SEC and... How coincidental that uh, Jamie had to step out for a second because he's on the phone with somebody about a car repair. With an auto repair. With an auto repair situation. Which, (laughs) guess what, Phil? Yours truly driving around in a rental car because my car is in the shop. And as I told you uh, a week or so ago, I went with an unreputable insurance company for my car because I couldn't use my man in uh, South Carolina like I do for my house, Gary Patterson, so I wound up going with somebody I didn't know, and I'm paying the price. It has been a friggin' nightmare that uh, I will just tell you. 
That's what happens when you go with Mercury Insurance. But you don't have to do that. You can go with State Farm Agent Gary Patterson, GaryPatterson.net. Uh, he's been doing it in the Midlands for decades now. Uh, you can go ahead and switch over, start saving today. It's easy to switch and save. Just give them a call when you want the real deal, like a good neighbor. State Farm is there, and Gary Patterson has been there for me on my home insurance, uh, and I haven't had to deal with any such sagas or issues or drama. GaryPatterson.net. I think he's, uh, I know he's working at least one bowl game. They don't allow him to work an ACC team bowl game because he does a lot of ACC. So if you're wondering who's refing all these games, those referees you see on SEC games, they will not be allowed to work a game featuring SEC teams. That's the way they uh, do that in the postseason. Uh, since I teased it, let me just mention this uh, number. And it's a shame Jamie is on the uh, phone with his mechanic because I know he would love this number as much as you will, Mad Dog. Uh, this is from 2022. Because remember, 2023, Rocket Sanders was hurt for most of the year. It was almost just like a it felt like a redshirt year for him. Yeah. But in 2022, there were four Power 5 running backs that had the following. 200 carries, 6 yards per carry, and 10 rushing touchdowns. Now, one of them was a first-round draft pick of the Atlanta Falcons, Bajon Robinson. Another was Kendra Miller of TCU. Another was Eric Gray of Oklahoma. And the fourth... You got it. Rocket Sanders. Rocket nice. Sanders. Many touchdowns? S- how many was it? Over six yards a carry and over 10 rushing touchdowns. And yeah. he had 200 carries as well. This is a big physical back with speed. I mean, this is the kind of guy that, quite frankly, has been missing from the Gamecock backfield the last couple of years. Uh, it's easy to forget how good he was because it's over a year ago, but go back and look at Rocket Sanders. Like That's not just a, a, a nice pickup. That's a big-time pickup. And even if the offensive line doesn't totally repair itself next year, it's obviously going to be better. can't be worse. Uh, Sanders is the kind of guy that can take on hits and still fall forward and still get positive yards. Um, with all due respect to the backs this year, that's just not, that's not the same deal. Some of the latest uh, portal news that we talked about a little bit earlier. K.J. Jefferson still undecided. I know J.C. has had plenty of thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I like K.J. I've never been a huge fan of K.J. I, I, don't, I wouldn't go so far as say he's Dondriel Pinkins, a little more accomplished than Dondriel Pinkins. But um, K.J. Jefferson's going to wind up with somebody. He's still out there. The fact that he's still out there tells me he doesn't know exactly what he wants to do or where he wants to go. Of course, the biggest transfer news, Dylan Riala, Five-star kid leaving Georgia, flipping for Nebraska. Father played at Nebraska. It's not a huge surprise. Uh, It's only a surprise from the standpoint of when is the last time everybody got excited about a Nebraska quarterback? It's not exactly the place that quarterbacks dream of going anymore, and yet that's where Riola's going. Huge grab for Matt Rule and company. Georgia will be okay. They've got Carson Beck coming back. He announced he will return for his senior year, but the dogs again have lost 15 in the portal. And when we started this show today, this might've changed. They have not picked up anybody in the portal. They are slated to have the number one recruiting class tomorrow. There's always those late flips that could go Georgia to Bama, Bama to Georgia. That could change that. But for right now, Georgia sitting in the top spot. And of course, JC will have more on that tomorrow. Uh, some of the other quarterback transfers, you know, Will Rogers already went uh, to Washington, Blake, Shape into Mississippi State. A.J. Swan looks like LSU. And Malik Murphy is still out there from Texas. Uh, Malik Murphy is, that's a dude. Somebody will be getting a dude 
in the form of Malik Murphy. There's no question about that. Uh, we shall see how that <clears throat> shakes down when it's all said and done. The bowl games, SEC and bowl games, you know there's nine of them. The first time we get to see an SEC team in a bowl game, how about eight more days? The Texas Bowl on December the 27th. Uh, Phil, you'll probably be still be hungover from all that eggnog on the 27th, but I'm sure you'll be with blurry vision watching A&M battle Oklahoma State. A&M's a three-and-a-half-point favorite, even though they are on their third coach this year. Um, I'm a little bit surprised at that line, to be honest with you. Gator Bowl and the Cotton Bowl are in the 29th. Clemson, a seven-point favorite against Kentucky. Missouri is a two-and-a-half-point underdog against Ohio State, speaking of Missouri. So what I love about this show, you never know what you're going to walk into. If you would have told me that today, Mike, we're going to talk about ABC and how Eli Drinkwitz is out-coaching Shane Beamer, and, and we wish we had Eli Drinkwitz. I didn't have that on my bingo card, but I love it. I'm here for it. I'm here for all the uh, diversity and topics. Peach Bowl on December the 30th. You've got Ole Miss in that one. That's going to be a fun game. Ole Miss-Penn State, uh, that's one of those games here in Atlanta that Peach Bowl always has some of the best crowds of any bowl game, and they always have great matchups, it seems. Penn State is a four-and-a-half-point favorite against Ole Miss. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a little surprised at that, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's that, a little odd. Yeah, that's a little upside down. That's a little upside down. Uh, Music City Bowl, the same day. Auburn, two and a half point favorite over Maryland. Does any team in college football has less of, of an identity than Maryland? First of all, I still want to call them an ACC team. It took me five years to get used be. to that. Right? No, they always play. It's always an ACC school. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't feel like Big Ten, um, but they're in there and. They've got, they've had success, and they've always got the funky helmets with the state flag, and they 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 play football, and they're playing Auburn, and Auburn's a two and a half point favorite. The fighting freezes in the Music City Bowl in Nashville. Of course, the Orange Bowl will be that day as well. Georgia, a 14 point, 14 point favorite against Florida State. We know now Carson Beck not only coming back, he will be starting in that game. Uh, so Georgia, now a two touchdown favorite against Florida State in the Orange Bowl. January 1, the artist formerly known as the Blooming Onion Outback Bowl is now the ReliaQuest Bowl. And LSU is a 10.5-point favorite against Wisconsin in that game. Jaden Daniels, of course, announcing he's not going to play. Garrett Nussmeyer, who could start for probably 100 schools in Division One, he's a sophomore. He does get the start. Uh, advantage LSU there. That's not your average Backup quarterback. Remember, Nussmeyer came into the SEC championship game a year ago against Georgia. Looked pretty good. Uh, also that day, the Citrus Bowl, Tennessee, is a seven-point favorite against Iowa. And, of course, the Rose Bowl, Bama. Bama's getting a point and a half against Michigan. The uh, soon-to-be SEC teams, Texas, a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Washington in the Sugar Bowl. And Oklahoma's getting three-and-a-half against the Fighting Fishes. That's Coach Fish and Arizona in the Alamo Bowl. So those are all your SEC team uh, matchups, your up-to-date portal news. Oh, one more thing, basketball-wise. Uh, again, uh, now I just looked at Joe Lenardi. I'm on his uh, email list, and there he has South Carolina as the, la- the, the last team, the first team out of the field. Does that make any sense? So there's 68 teams that get in. Right now he has the Gamecocks as 69. For what it's worth, 
Kentucky with a big win over North Carolina over the weekend. That's good for everybody involved in the SEC. Virginia Tech is now a quad one win, so the Gamecocks have two quad one wins, one quad one loss at Clemson, and the best, the second best overall record in SEC basketball. Ole Miss ten and zero, undefeated, the only undefeated team left. The Gamecocks are nine and one. Mississippi State, first SEC opponent, is nine and two. Who's at the bottom? You ask. Vanderbilt, Jerry Stackhouse and company, four and six. Alabama is six and four. Now their strength of schedule is ridiculous. Uh, but as of right now, they are 6-4 and four as we inch closer and closer to the start of conference play. And that is your Love Chevy. Drive around the SEC, the home of the $1,000 guarantee. If you're there to go ahead and do some shopping, mention that. And, of course, as always, mention you heard about it on ITG. Yeah. JB, that's a JC. That's a penalty flag. That's a Sherbert violation. Five yards. Microphone was off while you were talking. Second down. <laughs> I'm gonna. I got. I got to find somebody to blame this on. Mad Dog, why didn't you cut my mic on? Well, I did cut it off, so I guess that could. I could have cut it back on. He heard you cursing out the mechanic, and he felt like it's a family show. He didn't want you to. Yeah, that's why I had to take him off screen. You should have seen what he looked like yelling at the guy. Oh my goodness! About to blow a vein. I hope you didn't have Mercury insurance. You heard that, huh? Yeah, I was. uh, That was. So I had a. not to get too far in the weeds, but leaving my daughter's uh, pl- um, Christmas performance at school last night, all of a sudden I heard the fan in my truck, like the radiator fan, and I drive a fairly new GMC Sierra going, I mean, loud. Like you cut the fan on in your bathroom loud, but on steroids. And I was like, what in the world is that? So anyways, this morning I went out. I said, well, I'm going to run that up to my guys in the morning. I went this morning, and then I went to crank it up, and the battery wouldn't. All right. <laughs> so I thought, well, this is getting worse by the minute. Uh, and then, um, so anyways, yeah, now that I know what's wrong, uh, and, and they explained to me the price, I had, we had some words. We'll put it that way. I said, <laughs> <laughs> you mean you're struggling to find an honest mechanic? Yeah, well, they 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 are honest, but um, I said, yeah. Look, here's the thing. Yeah, those labor costs. We're going to do something about that because we've sent you like ten families from our neighborhood, and we've been going here for five years, not doing it. Yeah. So he, uh, yeah, he went a little bit lighter than he than he thought he was going to go. We'll put it that way. I he was, felt I, the wrath of Jamie Bradford. Yeah, I don't generally do that, but that pissed me off. So I'm I'm back and I'm good. And when I get off the air, I'm going to go. Find the nearest bottle of chicken cock because I'm stuck at home for the next few days while they try to fix this whole ordeal. Take a bottle and uh, drive over to Love Chevy. Get yourself a new car. How about that? Yeah. That's, now here's the excuse you needed, JB. You just need fine. to drive the 26 and go not, get you a new truck. Not far Boom. in the future. That's that's uh, that's for sure. Tonight uh, in the future of tonight, uh, Virginia and Memphis will play. At 7 o'clock on ESPN2 from the FedEx Forum, Memphis, three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, they're ranked number 22 and number 23, so that'll be a neat uh, a neat ball game there. And then FS1 has six-ranked Marquette on the road at Providence. Mike, they better be careful. Providence is 9-2. and two. This is a Big East matchup, and uh, they're looking to pull an upset. And they might. They might. You, um, see. you mentioned Auburn. Auburn just beat – or you mentioned Memphis. Auburn just beat Memphis. Kentucky just beat the Tar Heels. The, the SEC ACC challenge was seven seven and seven, right? Kind of a push. 
but there's some other quality at a conference wins. I still think the SEC is poised to get eight teams uh, in the field, maybe nine, but I think eight will be the magic number this year. And um, I, I don't know how I don't know when you signed on, but Carolina now has two quad one wins. Uh, go ahead. I think that readjusted this morning. Oh, did it just readjust? Okay. I mean, it could it could. Because Virginia Tech is right on the bubble, we, we that could be true today, false tomorrow, true Saturday, false Sunday. But you get the idea. It's it's pretty close. They're right there, and uh, according to Joe Lenardi, and, and I'll get this now, like every day, the rest of basketball, they are the the the, the last one out. They just yeah. missed the uh, the cut line uh, to get in the field. Again, it's it's extremely early. I get it. Um, uh, but just for fun, because we haven't been able to talk about this for a while, right? South Carolina right, being yeah. a, a bubble team or anything other than you think we'll make the NIT this year. Um, you actually now have something to be uh, interested in. And you missed the stat that I thought you would really love while you were uh, going toe-to-toe, Billy Mechanic. Um, in 2022, Jamie... There's only there was only four Power Five running backs who had 200 carries, six yards per carry, and ten rushing touchdowns. One of them is in the NFL now, in Bajan Robinson uh, of the Falcons, and one of the other ones, Rocket Sanders. Oh wow, pretty yeah, cool number. On yeah, Rocket. yeah, he's uh, as long as he's healthy, and I think, and I mentioned this the other day on our program, Mike. Um, a lot of people don't realize who the assistant strength director at South Carolina is. It's Jamil Walker, who was the director of strength conditioning at Arkansas when Rocket Sanders arrived at school, and he was in charge of getting him in shape to go from wide receiver to running back. Um, and so now, after last year, he, he was let go over in Arkansas, and he's been on campus since June working with Luke Day at South Carolina. That Rocket – I mean, if there's anybody here that knows Rocket Sanders inside and out, it's Jamil Walker. Yeah. Uh, and I think that would be a fascinating conversation uh, for for us to try to maybe have with him at some point in time. Down I'm, I'm telling you right now, I mean, I, he's a beast. Like that, that That's not just some mild pickup. The only reason it's not getting more national pub is that last year was basically a washout because of the injuries. Mm-hmm. But look what he did his first two years in Fayetteville. That That's a dude now. That yeah. That is an absolute dude. So... Uh, big time pickup. Figure out the quarterback spot. Um, I know you guys had a, a really good give and take about. Do you want the veteran or do you or just? I, I know JC is very high on Lenore Sellers, and I, I guess everybody is, right? Yeah, you um, got to take the quarterback though. But if you, you yeah, first of all, you got to have at least two. But secondly, man, you want to have a veteran that 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 pushes pushes the young pup. Uh, you don't want to be sitting there relying and putting all your eggs into a guy who's barely played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to bring somebody in for legitimate competition there, not just no, no doubt, no doubt. So I don't know if Malik Murphy. I mean, Malik Murphy is going to covet a very high uh, price tag. Duke, but keeping Duke, Duke's looking good for him. Isn't that crazy? Are they okay. really? Yeah, yeah, old Manny Diaz up there. Old Manny, Manny, Manny's been around the block a few thousand times. By the way, um, somebody asked me about LSU basketball. 
keep this in mind, and this is going to be a story to follow across the country. Um, they Jalen Cook just got eligible. The, this this the two time transfer rule that kids are appealing for mental health. He was at LSU. He's a Louisiana kid. Went to Tulane. Now tried to go back. They wouldn't let him play early. Their success relies heavily on him. And I say that not just to answer um, the question of one of our listeners, um, but also bigger picture. The this story is not done. The West Virginia uh, Attorney General who filed the motion, and now there's a two-week reprieve, and then the NCAA says, well, yeah, but if, if you play the guy, then he might be ineligible, and we're not going back on our stance, and uh, I don't know. It's crazy, um, but it's a real thing, and it's going to be an issue for just about every program in the country at some point, so it's something to keep your eye on. That is, uh, I 100% agree. It is once again, something else that turns into something else that turns into something else that we all fight about in college football, and we'll see how that all ends up unfolding. Well, that keeps the discussion interesting. Always. Interesting is a polite way to put that, right? You're fiery today, Jamie. That, I mean, a couple of listeners and then the mechanic, uh, you know, that, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. telling you what. You gotta have the you gotta have some of these conversations with facts. I mean, you can't just. I like that. Oh, you, you're serving them up. I, like I was saying, you were you were uh, again you were release releasing the wrath on uh, on Billy the the white wall guy. But um, I, I was I was pointing out the fact that one of the things I love about coming on this show is I never know where we're going to go or what what's going to be a topic. And and to have Chat Row all of a sudden like this this secondary storyline of Eli Drinkwitz being the best thing since sliced bread like I didn't I didn't have that on my bingo card I no. did not have that on my bingo card. Well, take it off because tomorrow if it comes back up, uh, it it won't even be viewed or there will be no breath taken of it. As we have two days left well, in 2023 on the air, we won't spend time talking about that. That's for sure. I can only uh, you know that matter will further devolve as the closer we get to our, you know, 10 days off. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to be drinking on the air tomorrow. I think that's, uh, let's, let's all have go. a drinking day. Let's go. I, I got a bottle, a brand new bottle of Blanton's ready to go. Let's bring it. Kids are out of school, man. I don't have to leave immediately to go sit in yeah. the car line. I'm ready. Let's do it. Uh, Order up some salsaritas. Get Suki to bring us a fiesta pack and bourbon and bourbon and tacos. Come on. That sounds like a stomach ache waiting to happen. <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's no uh, tonight. Derek and Casey on the call. Could be interesting tonight. Got to keep an eye on old Winthrop walking in for the first time since Mike Morgan was the voice of GameCop basketball. When was it? Eight. Oh, you know, it was significant about that. That was when that Greg Marshall was coaching Winthrop. And Darren and Horn. Carolina. What? No, times no. Was that Darren Horn? Well, yeah, first yeah. First year. First year. Yeah, yeah. So we, we – the team played Winthrop uh, a couple of times, once with Dave Odom and once with Darren Horn. And all the while, this is when everybody was like, why are we not, not only did Carolina not hire Greg Marshall, they didn't even interview him. They didn't even grant him an interview. There's a lot of stories behind that. And obviously, 
Greg is where he is now because some things went sideways at Wichita State, but he did take Wichita State to the Final Four. The guy was a hell of a coach and would have crawled on his hands and knees to get the South Carolina job. Typically, you would interview somebody with those credentials, but the previous AD did not find it suitable to do so. He didn't find it suitable to do a lot of things. He found Darren Horn. Yes, he did. That a lot of good that did us. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> oh, boy. That boy, Eric, he nailed it. Mike, have a, a terrific and chilly Tuesday. We, we get you back tomorrow. We also have Mark Kingston on tomorrow as well. Today. Yeah, and signing day with JC. So I, I'll just sit back and I'll say a few words, drink some bourbon, and uh, you know let everybody else do the heavy lifting. But I look forward to being a part of... The Power Hour, presented by the not-so-attractive Brian Spencer of palmetto-medicare.com. It's a Power Hour signing day edition of ITG. Uh, thanks to Mike and Hale and JC and Phil and all of you. Can't wait to see you again tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. <laughs> <laughs>